This is an Age of Sigma podcast, which may contain explicit language. Hello everybody, welcome to episode 10 of Mortally Wounded. I'm your host, Chris Welfare. And I'm your host, James Mabry. So... First up, at the start of this episode, we're just going to say that we are recording this via Skype, so we hope the audio um, quality is okay. Um, I won't publish it if it's not, but um, just a pre-warning, the audio quality might not quite be as good as it normally is. Um, But yeah, so this episode, we are going to be talking all things Call to Glory 2018 at CanCon, which was last weekend here in Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got a lot to say. It's good. It was a fantastic weekend. Um, also, Chris just came to me just then that uh, this is actually it's about a year now since we've been doing this podcast. Yep, just over a year. So happy birthday, us! Yeah, and ten episodes I think means <laughs> you're officially a podcast. So <laughs> oh, yeah, cool. I I had hoped we would have got more than ten done in a year, but um, obviously with uh, things going as they were, you having six months overseas um, we didn't quite get there but it's been it's been good and uh, hopefully we can get to get to maybe 25 over the next year yeah absolutely um, I wonder if we should we should go back and listen to uh, the first episode and say what our hopes I, I, I seem to recall we went through what our goals would be for the year um, I, <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say I, I didn't achieve my painting goal probably <laughs> I've got no idea what my goals were last year. <laughs> I think I said, I think I said, oh, I have to get my Stormcast done, but they just need to be done. But I have far too many for them to ever be done. Um, so that didn't happen. I said my Silver Nether need to get done. I've done some of them, but again, nowhere near all of them. Um, and I've got a Corn Army ready now for Kank, like for Kankon. So that was okay. Commission painting doesn't count, yeah. does it? <laughs> well. <laughs> I think it does. It's just it's it's. I did all the bases. Not, to be it's fair, like you've, you've employed someone to do it for you, so. Yeah, and I still I still had to do all the bases and green stuff rolling all those bases and. Exactly. I, I yeah. scraped every single base, so actually I probably took about as long to do all the bases as uh, Clint took to paint the models. Yeah, well, I don't think um commission painting someone to to do it for you is is there's nothing wrong with that. I. It's just everyone has different lifestyles, different. We're all busy. Everyone's got other things going on in their life. So, yeah. Yeah, it's. uh, If you've got, if you can, you know, get an army out there. If you just, if you love the gaming side, and then I don't see anything wrong with it at all. Yeah, it's more just because I have so much now. I'm finally kind of stopping buying new models, and I'm just trying to work my way through building everything and like i've been building up my death stuff so i'm gonna get all all three of my mortarks built and uh, yeah. heavily get into death this year i'm gonna finally try and paint nagash yeah because he's been black undercoat for two years now and he needs painting <laughs> <laughs> well this is if there's any year for it it was going to be this year <laughs> yeah it's uh should be cool i also really want to do my seraphon so yeah i'm gonna yeah I'm just working on building stuff. Clint is painting all of my corn, and then I'm working on Nurgle and slowly adding bits and pieces. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> nah, awesome. So anyway, let's kick the show off, um, and yeah. let's go talk all about CanCon. So CanCon was last weekend, um, the long weekend um, here in Australia for um, Australia Day long weekend. So uh, 
we both headed down on the um, on the Thursday after work, um, yep. and then uh, had the Friday had the Friday off as um, the public holiday, and um, myself, Ash, and Liam all took part in the one day Shadespire event. Oh, that's fr- right. Yeah. On the, on the Friday, which was really cool, actually. Um, I'd kind of been like, oh, I kind of d- can't really be bothered to do this now. I'd rather that I hadn't signed up because I still had my two character models to kind of get painted um, for yeah. the, for the weekend. But I, I was like, no, I've signed up. I'll, I'll take part. So um, quickly, kind of once we arrived at gone ten in the evening, I sat down and um, wrote, kind of came up with my deck quickly and just went with what I knew with the Iron Jaws and. Um, had to cut it down because they they placed a restriction saying it had to be 20 cards in your power deck. Um, oh, so right. so did okay. that, wrote out my cards, submitted the submitted the list, and then um, yeah, that was actually really good fun. I really enjoyed it. I hadn't played for a couple of months, um, so I wasn't really expecting to kind of do very well at all or place anywhere. It was more just to play some games, but um, actually yeah. it was really fun. Played four different opponents and we did the best of three. Most of them actually going to the three games. Me and Liam ended up playing each other in the first round, um, which was funny. So um, I proceeded to get my, um, at the time, highest ever score in a single round, which was like 20 glory. So uh, that was oh, pretty, wow. that was pretty good. Um, so yeah, gave gave Liam a good whooping. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then uh, ended up actually coming third overall. So that was... Um, that was nice and yeah. nice and unexpected. And my final round was against Ash, so I got to play both of them. Um, managed to uh, get the win against both of them. Um, pulled it out on the last turn, um, literally the last kind of thing against Ash uh, in the third game to get victory from the Jewels of Defeat because I think he was uh, he was well ahead. And then I'd managed to just do this big move which I'd planned from the start of the game based on my cards and ended up getting like. 15 glory or something on literally the turn three reveal and just winning the game it was pretty great what a fantastic result and like especially when you weren't sort of planning on doing it um you just sort of swooped in you saw you conquered yeah it was it was it was a bit strange actually i spoke to the guys afterwards just to kind of ask how they'd done the scoring system because um the person that came second i actually got more wins glory and glory differential then but what they'd kind of said was at at the round four pairing stage, they basically like one and two. They put into a playoff for first and second, and mm. three and four. So me and Ash. Um, but with the way that the results ended up, it meant that although I was third, I actually had more. Yeah, had more wins and everything. So it was a bit. It was a bit strange. But like I say, I wasn't expecting anything. So uh, to walk away with third was pretty great. Um, the Iron Jaws just do what they do in terms of holding objectives. So. Yeah. Well, just um, just had a thought then. So, like you were mentioning, you had to submit like a card deck list. Is that right? Like twenty cards. Yep. So you had to submit your entire deck. So your twelve obje- your twelve objective cards, and then your twenty power cards, um, okay. so that you couldn't change between them. And stuff. so, just for those people who might not um, be familiar with Shadespire or how it would work in a tournament, like sort of. Could you spend a couple of minutes just to walk us through like that sort of process with what you have to submit and how it's, you know, like in terms of like normally with a, you know, a tournament we have to submit a list by you know all that sort of stuff at certain points amount. But how does it kind of work with Shadespire, like with the cards and and you know with the, 
you know, the game in, in, in general? Like, is it sort of specified how to do it in the rules, or is it this was like a TO's kind of structure? Yeah, it's... um. This I think at the moment with Shadespire it's completely a TO structure. Um, there's nothing kind of in the rule book that actually says what you need to be doing. I think I think Games Workshop have released like some tournament packs that they say you can use this stuff. Um, but at the moment, to be honest, it's um, it's just down to the individual TOs. And this one, I had an email from them on the on the Thursday evening saying, please like bring in a card list. So I was like, okay, I'll just quickly write my deck out. I ended up taking a photo of it written down and just sending it to him. But um, yeah, so at the moment, I think it will just be down to each each TO. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it was cool. It, it got me really kind of enthused for the game again. It was actually really fun, um, really tactical, like using the deck kind of... It was pretty much the same deck I'd taken to the, the tournament a few months earlier in the um, Sydney City store. Um, but like I say, I hadn't really played since then, um, and I'd used a much bigger deck at the time. So I'd kind of, after that event, I had cut it back pretty much to a, I think it was a 22 card deck I'd cut it back to, to be very specific on the goal I was trying to achieve. And I'd just taken out any cards that didn't help me do that. Um, so I actually just had to cut two more cards out and I made it very much just, I want all pretty much all the objective cards. And then I want all of the kind of push cards for myself and other models or swapping models and that kind of stuff just to give myself the best chance of staying on objectives or getting objectives um whenever people try and push you off i had cards to kind of try and counter their ploys and that sort of thing um and it it just worked really well actually um it it was very hard for my opponents to kind of stop me having the objectives or when you know your opponent's running there was one game and he kind of the last move of his turn he ran his leader onto an objective and I sort of thought, well, I know there's a card, plant a standard, which is have your leader holding an objective in enemy territory, and he'd specifically done it with his leader. So I kind of thought, I reckon he's trying to get that with his leader. So I just had, I think I had confusion, which was switched. I didn't have a push, but I had switched two fighters, and he had one of his other fighters nearby. So he was going to have a model on the objective, but I was pretty certain he wanted his leader, so I just switched them over, and then he was like, ah, damn it, yeah, I was trying to get plant a standard. So... Yeah, that was quite cool. It was good to kind of now I've got that knowledge. I'm starting to build up the knowledge of cards in my head of what people might be trying to do. And um, yeah, it was just really good. Um, the move I managed to pull against Ash, like looking at my starting hand and being like, okay, this is going to be a turn three, and this is going to be a turn three objective. So two of my three, I was like, I'm not going to claim these until the end of the round three. So I had to just try and play the whole game for those two cards, only using yeah. one one objective card in rotation. Um, but I managed to do it, and um, yeah, it was really it was really rewarding actually. And I'm really pumped for the Fire Slayers um, when they come out in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, it sounds it sounds like a really cool um, experience you had there, and congratulations on coming third. Yeah, thanks, man. It was only a small field, but um, yeah, it was good. They did two kind of one days, and um, it's something that I just think it's such a great game. Like, if anybody is playing Age of Sigmar and hasn't tried Shadespire yet, I really recommend it. It's um, you get to use models. You can use those models in Age of Sigmar as well, and it's got the deck building aspect of it. But it's um, it's quite a simple rule set once you get used to it. But it's really there's a lot of there's a lot of space for tactical play and working out different ways to play the warbands. Um, my deck surprised a lot of people because I'm playing the Orcs. Everyone expects me to just run at them, but actually I do the complete opposite and stay at the back of the ward and sit on objectives. Um, 
so it surprises a lot of people especially stormcast they kind of prepare sitting at the back of their board in a defensive line waiting for me to run at them thinking they're going to win and then i just sat there and then they're too slow to get to me so i just win the game um so yeah it was it's um really cool there's so many different ways you can play it and um the models are awesome and it just lets you pick up a, a few models of a certain range if you like the aesthetic and just give them a crack painting and stuff like that i'm using them as my kind of can i actually paint some models okay um like i spent a while and i've painted one of my bases for my uh, stormcast and it's turned out like quite quite well I'm, I'm really happy with it in terms of my painting quality um so shade spire is going to be my way of kind of actually can i paint okay if i try um because it's only kind of three to five models generally so um yeah it's really cool yeah um but yeah anyway so obviously yeah we rocked up on the thursday i turned up and you and clint from um heralds of war were uh we were all staying in the same place together and you uh you were already there and uh halfway to merry so that was quite a funny evening <laughs> yeah like <laughs> well yeah I, I arrived that day like i drove up from jarvis bay just finished a course uh, from work but drove across country through all these back roads and up through the all these wind wonderful mountainous um areas then finally got to Canberra and, um, yeah, just met up with Clint. We went to the shops and all that sort of stuff, got some supplies. And, um, you know, we did buy a bottle of Kraken and we did happen to buy a, um, a case of beer. <laughs> so we'll, yeah, we, by the time Chris got there, we were kind of well into, the, <laughs> well into those. Uh, that kind of set us up nicely for the weekend. Had some uh, in- interesting conversations that night. But, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was it was pretty funny, kind of. You two, you two obviously weren't doing anything the following day, so you didn't really have a care of the world, and were already halfway pissed. And then uh, I was sitting there, just like, okay, this is funny, but I need to, I need to do my deck, and I need to start painting my models. But actually, I just ended up drinking with you guys till about two in the morning. But yeah, um, yeah no, it was a good laugh. Yeah, it was good. But, but yeah, um, we, so um, that day we um we did achieve a lot that day beforehand. Anyway, we we went in, we set up all the tables. Uh, Travis came in with all his, uh, he, he created all these, uh, boards, like three per table for the six by fours, and he painted them up for, you know, green, snow, um, sort of, uh, like wilderness and, um, and desert. So there's like all different themes, and he painted them up, especially for the event. It was fantastic. So we helped him bring all that in. Um, I set up three of my own tables just for my own personal collection of, um, of terrain and stuff. So I, I love terrain. Like I, I love having a nice, beautiful table to pay, to play on. Like that's a really, um, it's really key for me and in my enjoyment for the game. I just, I just, I think it helps me just to immerse into the whole Warhammer world and and the gaming experience itself. It sort of uh, helps with the story, the story, uh, storytelling, and uh, those helps create those great moments that we have in in our games. But um. But yeah, so we did that during the day, and um, yeah, of course you came around. Then following day was just exploring CanCon. You did your Shade Spire ta- tournament, um, nailed that with a third. And uh, that night we kind of we kind of had a pretty tame night. The second night, I think we were just like, yeah, game face is on. We're going to have an early night um, and get up super early and and uh, go to the tournament the following morning. Did we? I still think it was at least midnight. <laughs> <laughs> when we went to bed but yeah yeah that was it we had the barbecue night it was it was uh fairly uh 
a bit more uh, focused. But yeah, we um yeah, we anyway. had we had the barbecue. Um. Oh yeah, that's all right. That's yeah, we had the barbecue with um the guys from uh, Doom and Darkness. Uh, it was great to meet all those guys. Um, we had Anthony Magro. We had uh, the D3 Mortal Wounds guys. Uh, we had Tom Holdsworth turned up. Yep. Um, yep. And then Dan, Dan Say <laughs> and his his mates turned up. So there was a good group of us at the um at the Caratel for a barbecue on the Friday night. So um yeah, that was nice to get to meet Michael and kind of chat to him and the other guys and um. Absolutely. And um, Hayden and James who were staying with us as well in the cabin. Got to meet, got to know those guys a bit better. And yeah, it was just all about Warhammer. Everyone was just excited. Everyone was revved up for it. It was just a really good atmosphere. Um, oh, that was right. That was the night. The um, so just before I went, I walked along to um, to join you guys for that. The um, I saw the uh, Daughters of Cain Battle Tome video had come out. Oh, that's right. Had come out oh. during the day, and I just sat. On... Mind. Yeah. I'd sat on the bed in the uh, in the uh, carousel in my room and just gone, oh my god, these are amazing. <laughs> That's and, right. Um, and then yeah, we were just talking about Daughters of Cain for a good hour or so, um, all together, yeah. just pretty much going, oh my god, snake ladies, it looks so amazing. And um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so that was cool. Oh, there's that. That was such a sexy video too. It was so well done, the music, and then the kind of dud, 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 with the twisting turn of Marathi, like, the bottom half of Marathi. Elves! We gave you elves! Yeah. <laughs> oh, those videos are getting so good. Yeah. Oh, they're nailing it. They're, they're really killing it at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, they're really good. Um, but yeah, so that was Friday night. Um, what did you guys get up to? Did you go and look at any particular stalls and stuff on the Friday? Obviously, we met up a few times um, while I was yeah. playing Shadespire, but um, yeah. Yeah, we just sort of we just did a general sort of scout of everything, checked out all the stalls. Um, <laughs> I ended up spending a, a bit of money um, on various things. Like I bought a new, bought another gaming mat. Uh, I actually found one of the old Warhammer fortresses, like some of the the veterans um, who might be listening would uh, recall like the Warhammer fortresses back in the day, just like a real castle, um, like more of a traditional looking castle. Uh, so I've got that, uh, 120 bucks. I was pretty happy. Brand new on on Sprue, so I'm, I'm looking forward to putting that together and um, figuring out something for that. Um, got some books. Found some old Warhammer fantasy books. Actually, once upon a time, Warhammer used to produce some um, historical rules for historical battles so like you know war of the roses or um, roman times or um you know the early days of of gunpowder all those sorts of things they actually used to produce a lot of rules for historicals it was actually sort of a lot more merged with the hobby um back in the earlier days um especially with perry miniatures like they're actually to this day still producing um all the historical stuff so Found a Warhammer historical book all about sort of chivalry, knights and chivalry, and um, the Hundred Years' War and War of the Roses sort of period. So that's that really tickled my fancy because I love Britannia, I love knights, I love medieval times, I love that I love that time in history. Um, so I bought that. Uh, found a Malekith book, like the third book in like the Malekith uh, series. So I love Malekith. I love the whole elf, dark elf. Uh, uh, high Elf versus Dark Elf conundrum and how the, they as a people, their struggle and how it all sort of came to a conclusion in the end times. It just sort of really uh, piqued my interest there. So I picked up one of those, but <laughs> I realised that 
when I opened it, I said, shit, now I've got to find the first and the second book. <laughs> yeah. Can't actually read that. But it turns out I left them at the hotel at the end of CanCon anyway, so um, apparently they're getting sent back to me. I don't know when I'll get the. Oh, you did, oh they did get found. Yeah, they got found, yeah. Okay, yeah, they, good. They found them without cleaning, so. <laughs> so apparently they're sending them back to me, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But, um. Um, what else did I get? I think uh, I just got a bunch of bits. Um, picked up the Darker Chieftain. Um, a couple of other characters like the Doomseeker, uh, Fireslayer from the Silver Tower box set. Just I like sort of painting, uh, just random models from time to time, just to kind of break up the hobby, just to break up the death. Like I've I've just painted so many. I've painted twenty one spirits uh, this year already. So. Are you uh? Are you sick? Are you sick to death of them, <laughs> Chris? That's my job to give those jokes. <laughs> uh, if it's not punny, it's not funny. Oh God! If you're laughing right now, shame on you. I am. Shame. I am laughing. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So you said you no, bought. Actually, you... I'm very secretly proud of you right now. So you, so you bought another gaming mat. You've got four now, yeah. Yeah, I've got four now. So it's another table to um, fill out because I'm actually. Now that I've finished painting the um, Sigmarite Mausoleum, uh, also known as the Garden of Moor, I've got that painted up, which I did for my display board. So I've, I've got more terrain coming. I've got the fortress. I've still got to paint up the numinous oculum. Um, I've got a one of the uh, what are they called? The skull keeps from the uh, the chaos skull keep. Um, and <laughs> I just bought the skull vein manse. Well, now known as the Warscry Citadel. <laughs> yeah, so I think I just, we're going to see a lot of them now that that's been relaunched. I lapped that up. You know, if anyone, at time of release, like, uh, it's Sunday afternoon now, but yesterday they just dropped all the pre-orders for, you know, the Death Tome, the War Scroll cards, the, the, the tokens, the, you know, the the dice, the cards, the Malign Portance book. The Warscry Citadel and the little combat gauges, you know, I just lapped it all up. You bought I, everything. <laughs> everything. I was good. I just I bought, bought the in book. Two waves. I bought in two waves. So I bought the Malign Portance um, package, the um, Nagash and, um, you know, the G- Legions of Nagash and uh, War Scrolls package thing. I bought uh, the, oh, the new Nighthaunt um, hero. Oh, what's his name? Uh, the Knight of Shrouds, Keldrick. Keldrick, yeah, yeah. The Knight of Shrouds, bought him. Um, <laughs> and the Warscryer Citadel. And, yeah. and so I was just like, oh, God. You know, I just stopped and I thought, no, the Warscryer Citadel is not going away. Don't buy it now. And uh, I went back a few hours later and I thought, no, nah, fuck it. I'm going to buy it because it's going to sell out pretty quick. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think there'll be a lot of them pop up. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no more spending for me because it's been, like, CanCon and then Malign Portance pre- pre-orders a week. And I'm just like, James, you need to stop emptying your bank account and giving it to Games Workshop. <laughs> yeah. It's just so good, though, everything they're releasing at the moment. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, should we... Um, I think we might take a quick break there um, just to make sure everything's recording and then we'll come back and we'll go through coverage of CanCon. And we're back. So in this segment, we're going to talk exclusively about our games at CanCon, or should we say Call to Glory. Um, 
So, um, I think I might go first today because it's going to be fairly quick. <laughs> uh, I brought a Night Haunt list to CanCon. Um, uh, those of you listening who would probably be familiar with uh, the the lead up to CanCon with um, the, the lists that were spoken about during um, during that lead up. So, with uh, Doom of Darkness and um, with Chris and Clint discussed all the lists, but um, I had Night Haunt, so I had Three Banshees, three Can Wraiths, Unit of Nine Spirits, Six Spirits, Two Units of Three Spirits, and Unit of Ten Hex Wraiths, and one Mongol. So the idea behind that list was basically just to get some more bodies on the table, have some more board control, not worry so much about the the big monster heroes, um, just spread the heroes out, kind of. That, that was my sort of plan. I'd, I'd written a little game plan for each scenario as well. Um, I found that when I didn't stick to the game plan, I didn't do so well. And when I did stick to it, I actually did quite well and had a good game. So um, I think discipline was a bit of an issue here. But but for me, my, my first game was against a, a gentleman named Dave Keegan, one of the Queensland guys. G'day, Dave, if you're listening. Uh, he had a, a beautiful Sylvaneth army. Um, first scenario was Star Strike. Uh, we had a very close game. It came down to like the last couple of turns, actually. I think he won 23-20. So it could have been either our either of our games, and we were we had a great time. Um, he's a really really great great guy. We kind of I really felt we gelled and had a good uh, sort of groove going. And um, yeah, it was just one of those games where. You, you, could have been anyone's, but in, in this particular case, it was um, it was his. So it was a great start to the tournament. Uh, so thanks thanks for that game, Dave. I really enjoyed that. I, I hope you enjoyed it too. And uh, so going into my second game, I played another death player, uh, Dave Hurley. So he brought the Arkan sort of uh, Russ Veal um, netlist. So with the direwolves and oh, I don't know, I don't know if it's a net list at this stage. It's just it, it was it's pretty much the the list I think Russ took to the last event, but it's um I wouldn't really call it a net list. I think Russ is the only person that's uh, taken it other than well okay. Dave, Dave okay. now, but yeah. Uh, apologies, apologies, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw it was Russ feels this and like oh, okay, cool. That's no, not not the no, Dave. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. It's, it was a good list, a strong list, and you did very well in the tournament. And all credit to you because you deserved it. Um, but uh, yeah, the Arkan, you know, and this is the first time that I <laughs> have been on the receiving end of Arkan's Curse of Years. Oh, <laughs> like I actually felt like in the first, like in the lead up to the game, I was like, yeah, you know, like just had a, a my, just had a loss in the first. First game, no problems. Like that's cool. It was really close. I, I'm feeling confident in my list. I, you know, I, I should be able to pull this off. I know death really well. I know the weakness. I know the strengths. So I reckon I can box him in and and like really kind of get up on objectives here. And in, I think the second objective was scorched earth. I was just basically was going to block him and then go for it, sort of thing. Like you know, concentrate flank, sweep round, um, which is perfect for night haunt and with the Mongol and all the backups and everything that you can do with that. Mortal Wounds, etc. But, um... <laughs> first turn comes up. Arkin, Curse of Years. <laughs> Took off my whole unit of ten uh, Hex Wraiths first turn. So I brought them up nine inches away in this massive line in front of his army. And, uh, yeah. Sure enough, Curse of Years gone. Rolled it perfectly with, like, two dice or something like that. And we're just like, okay. <laughs> uh, 
how often does this happen? Not very much, but uh, it's just happened. So, okay, cool, we'll move on. I thought, well, I've lost one of my big units, no problem. Next turn, I'll bring up my nine spirit hosts. So, yep, sure enough, bring up my nine spirit hosts, <laughs> right in front of his army again, trying to, you know, maintain that uh, that strategy, and <laughs> he rolls Curse of Years again. Oh, and... what? He did it twice in a row to your big unit. <laughs> Oh, that's horrific. All my, like, my nine units, like, my spirit hosts, like, unit of nine spirit hosts off the table, uh, second turn. <laughs> and we were just facing a gobsmack, like, our, our jaws were, like, on the table, like, David was shaking, like, he was literally shaking, like, I can't believe this just happened, I'm shaking, see, and I, it was like, his hand was, like, trembling, and I was just like, oh, God, this is just too hilarious, it's just too ridiculous, and... Secretly, even though yeah, I was on the receiving end, deep down I was like, "Yes, go Arkin!" Finally, that curse of years is like is like paying dividends. Just happens to be on me, but you know that's just the way it is sometimes. It's because it's because he was punishing you because you didn't take him. You cut him. Exactly. I was my one of my um, earlier iterations of my list was an Arkin list, and everyone. I think every Death Army had Arkin. I think. Did they? No, ex- with the exception of the Nagash list, of course, but I think majority of the guys just took an Arkhan because he's so good. The ability to just auto-kill potentially anything in the game is just incredible. It's, it's like, the chances of going off are very slim, but, like, he kept... Well, it's happened he, twice in a row. <laughs> happened twice in a row, and then I think he was just, like, Arkhan was going off throughout the tournament. Like, I heard other stories about other curses of years going. I think Anthony's... Um, Anything of Curse of Years again, you know, like he did at Masters, and it's just like, oh god, Arkin is just so good. I I will never leave home without him again. Um, I, well, I they, tr- it it sounds like they've changed it a little bit for the uh, the new Legions of Nagash book. Um, it, yeah. I think it's it's still probably gonna just instant take off a lot of stuff, but I think now if something has a mortal wound save, then potentially they can stop it because you. You don't. It doesn't just keep going to a one now. Like it goes down to a one, but it's not just like they only take more mortal wounds if they fail their saves. So you like right. it, it basically if if you only get say one dice um, down to that one, then mm. they'll take a mortal wound, and then if they fail the save, they take another one, and it keeps going until they pass the save. But as soon as they don't take any wounds from it, the spell ends. Oh, I see. So now units that do have a ward save are going to have to keep rolling until they pass one and they stop all your dice. But um, any unit that doesn't have a save against mortal wounds, it effectively does just, or like a disgustingly resilient type save, any unit that doesn't, that can't save against it, it is still auto slain on a one. But um, yeah, yeah, it's not quite as strong as it used to be, but it's still very useful. Yeah. Well, it's probably leveled it out a little bit, but because. Yeah, it is, what is it, like a one in... Oh, it's a very... I can remember, like, people who do the math hammer and stuff have worked out that it's like a one in 60th chance or something. I can't remember. But um, for that sort of low odds, it does go off quite often. Um, I was going to um, say, well, if you're trying to cast it every magic phase, mm. like every hero phase for five like five turns and then five games it should kind of happen across the tournament maybe not two times in a row second game in but yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I just that was it was just payback for because like when it, 
I take Arkin and every time I'm like, okay, I rub my hands together. I'm like, curse of years, let's go, baby. And like, I roll it and they're, you know, I, I'm willing that to, um, to wipe their units out. So it's kind of a little bit of payback for, <laughs> for me in the end, I think. But, yeah. um, but uh, after that, I lost my two biggest units and it was just, it was really hard to bring that back around. Like, we still had a really good game, um, but it was just, yeah, I didn't have, the tools left to really kind of uh, bring that back to my favour. Um, but um, third game, uh, turn of uh, sorry, day one was against um, Aaron McLeod with his uh, Seraphon list. Uh, scenario was battle for the pass. Uh, so this game, I was like, well, okay, well he's got all the skinks, he's got this and that and the other. I'm ignoring all his rend, um, you know, the Bastilladon and. All that sort of thing. I should be able to get him behind him and, and kind of wreak a bit of havoc in his back lines with the Mongol. And, um, yeah, and so I kind of de- deployed sort of about half my army. Maybe I left my bigger units underneath in the underworld, a couple of heroes in the underworld. So I deployed four. And so I thought, yeah, that should be enough. It should be fine. And um, he had put um, Croak in the back corner. So he had the Croak list. Uh, he had... Croak on a Bailwind. Croaknado. Yeah. And I'd, I've never actually played a Croaknado list before or, I'd, or been on the receiving end of a Croaknado. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, God. So he did the teleport. So after my, I think he gave me the first turn and I came up and I started pressing my advantage on his um, on his uh, objective in his territory to try and get those points up. Because um, he had he had like a unit of skinks in there, and there's a bit still on there, but I was like, yeah, we can we can deal with that. It's fine. Um, but then, yeah, sure enough, Croak was teleported, like you know, center of field, <laughs> bare wind up, and then just started doing that spell where it was just like mortal wounds to everything on the table, and like by the end of turn two, <laughs> he killed all of my banshee. I think I had a couple of banshees, a couple of can race on the field, uh, just just wiped them out um, by the end of turn two. And the rest of my army was kind of like hanging out there, and he was able to get rid of them as well by the end of turn two. So table the end of turn two, fantastic. Oh, um, really? So you had loads of stuff in the underworld that didn't get yeah, to come on the table. Two heroes and loads of stuff in the underworld, but he just managed to kill off my heroes um, in that within the first two turns and what I had on the table as oh, well. So you didn't see it coming. Um, you didn't see it coming to just deploy on the table. No, I didn't, and I. I should, like in hindsight, you know, of course, like against a, a, a Cragnado, I, I would have just deployed my whole army on the table and just worked with what I had and just tried to survive the barrage. Um, it just, I think, in that scenario for me, there's, I didn't have anything that could deal with with Croak on the Bailwind. Um, my only way to kind of get to him would have been to really just focus in on him uh, in the first turn to try and cut through. Uh, the skinks that he had protecting him, then somehow kind of try and get to him before he could go up in that bowing. Because beyond that, all I can do is try and scream at him with my banshees. Um, and which, with bravery ten, you're not going to do anything to him. Going to do anything to him? I don't have any shooting. Yeah. Beyond. So there was there was really very little I could have done against a a, a croaknado, um, but I might have been able to kind of block out long enough, and I probably could have taken his home objective quite early in the game and held it out long enough to get the points up to maybe get a minor or a major, like maybe even get the major. 
um, just based on objectives. He could have he would have tabled me, but I still could have won. Um, but <laughs> hindsight's always a bitch. Yeah, I think that's the thing. You have to just go. Well, he's one model, and that's 550 points of his army. You've just got to try and ignore it and weather the storm and just sit on objectives and just try and, as yeah. you say, get more points as he kills you. But yeah, yeah. So that was what three major losses on day one. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was a nice welcome back after six months off. Yeah, that's the thing. I, mean, I was actually thinking about it as well. Like, I, I was, you know, everyone who's here has had, you know, has advanced over the last six months, and you know, I've kind of I'm, I'm a bit behind, I think, and um, <laughs> I'm not. It's no excuse, really. I did I did get some practice games in. Um, I actually I played every scenario at least once. Uh, with my night haunt list before the tournament, and I had a pretty good strike rate with that. But it's always different on the day too. Um, and you, and that's one thing about this tournament I loved was that I played people I'd never played before with lists that I hadn't really seen before. Like I played Sylvaneth quite often, like a few times um, against like against yourself and and Liam and stuff. And and you guys take very strong, I've uh, taken very strong. Uh, Sylvaneth list, so I kind of know what to expect there with the Tree Lords and the debuffs and, you know, have a Mongol versus Tree Man uh, debuff fest where you guys are just <laughs> just like hitting each other all game. Um, but, uh, yeah, a Crape NATO had not experienced the receiving end of that, and it's very strong. It was an ex- excellent um, combo, and well done, Aaron, for um, pulling that off. <laughs> um but uh, day two... Sure, uh, should, should I run through my day one and then we can talk yeah, yeah, Saturday night? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my first game, obviously, um, James said was Starstrike. Um, Travis Cooper actually had grudged me before the event, so um, that was cool. I knew who I was going to be playing game one, so it sounds like we both played very nice-looking Sylvaneth armies because um, Travis's army is beautiful. Um, oh, yeah. So that, that was yeah. great. I was able to actually just have two and a half hours of getting to look at his army properly um mm. and i hadn't actually played travis before but i i know him so that was that was cool to actually get to play um so yeah obviously i had my my corn list um i'll quickly run through it again just in case anybody hasn't listened to the previous show um and actually it had to change a little bit because of the maggot kin of nurgle making festus 20 points more expensive um he didn't fit so um the list was um blades of corn I had a blood secretor, three slaughter priests, um, and then allied in. I had a gaunt summoner and a <laughs> chaos and a chaos sorcerer lord on mount um, with mark of Nurgle, just cause extra insult to injury in a cord list. Um, and then I had forty blood reavers in one unit, ten blood reavers, ten blood warriors with gore fists and gorglave on the champion, um, and then I had three skull cannons in a single unit. Um, and then I had the Gore Pilg- and I, I had the Gore Pilgrims Battalion, um, and then my artifacts. Um, I had the Brazen Rune on one of my Slaughter Priests, which just lets me auto unbind one spell once per game anywhere on the battlefield. And until I do that, he has a two up ward save effectively against spells against wounds caused by spells. So it makes him very hard for magic heavy armies like Zinch and stuff to kill him. And then when they try and do something like infernal flames or something with their own gaunt summoner to get rid of my reavers i can just shut it down or if there's any very important spell i can guaranteed shut it down yeah um, a, a treat against um against me <laughs> and then um yeah the, the three slaughter priests were actually um 
brilliant. I didn't use them correctly until kind of towards the end of the tournament because actually, unlike you, James, I hadn't been able to play all of the scenarios with the army. I think I'd managed to play yeah. four of them um, yeah. as practice games, although th- I think three of those were where Festus was in the list instead of the Triple Slaughter Priests. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was still very much learning the army um, and it was a new it was a new army, so I was still kind of learning how to play it and strengths and weaknesses and I was finding actually there was quite a few scenarios I was going, oh, this one I think the army struggles because I just found although I put the Skull Cannons in and the Bailwind, um, oh, obviously and 100 reinforcement points for a Bailwind for the Gaunt Summoner, um, although I had the reach there of the kind of 30-inch range cannons and then the 36-inch range Gaunt Summoner, um, I didn't have the ability to actually just put models across the other side of the table. Um, yep. I had to be running across the table, which because I've been playing teleporting Stormcast and Sylvaneth for the last kind of two years, it was um, it was something to get used to. It was very different. Um, and I've actually, since after the event, kind of on the on the drive home with Ash in the car, um, actually kind of worked out how to tweak the list. I think to make it um, even more competitive. So. Uh, we're gonna have we're gonna have a practice game actually this this Friday and uh, see how that goes. Um, but basically, I played Travis with his Sylvaneth, um, so he had a kind of null route, typical null route. Um, although he had the Moonstone on the Tree Lord Ancient, which is cool to see, um, and he had Dreitcher. Um, and actually, I made a big error on my deployment. Um, I knew he had the Moonstone, but in my head, I just kind of. I just went, yeah, you've got Moonstone, and then was just kind of forgetting about the distance um, of only being four away. And I I kind of I zoned off all of my back lines and all my characters and stuff with my Blood Reavers and my Blood Warriors um, to nine inches, because he had two units of Tree Revs as well. And I just completely forgot about the Tree Lord Ancient. And Travis obviously went first, because he had a one-drop. And, yeah, he had a Lawmaster and a Venator, and he lore-mastered up his True Lord Ancient, and he teleported him in straight behind my lines, four away, and char- <laughs> and charged in, because all of my heroes I'd put basically in a cluster near each other. So he got yeah. he got within three inches of all three of my Slaughter Priests, my Chaos Sorcerer, my Gaunt Summoner, and my Blood Secretor. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh dear, this could... Well, I was sort of like, oh dear, this could go badly... But at the same time, even with the Law Master, I was like, actually, it's unlikely he'll kill kind of more than one because he's only got three attacks that can do D6 damage and they've all got five or six wounds. So he's going to, yeah. if he splits his attacks, he's going to have to be very, very, very lucky to get them all through and to then roll fives and sixes for all the damage um, yeah. and stuff like that. He did actually forget to do his shooting attack, um, which he was like, oh, I think I could have killed one if I'd remembered that. But I'd, I don't know. I think. Um, I think they were going through, but you still got to roll quite high on the high on the d6s. Um, yeah. But anyway, he came in, he went first, teleported in, did some wounds. I think he wounded all of them. Dreitcher was actually the main worry because he teleported her through the woods, and then she rolled a six, so she was able to move again, which got her flitter furies in range of all of my characters. Um, and I was really, really worried when he was rolling those 10 dice because obviously any sixes do mortal wounds. And I was just like, you're just going to roll a cluster of sixes and just kill my characters off. Um, and then I think it got to, I think it was my blood secretor or it was one of them. And he rolled the dice and he had, I think he got two sixes and then she was in her embittered, her enraged mood. So she was re-rolling ones and he had three ones as well. 
he re he re-rolled the ones and all three of them came up sixes so he did five oh so he did five wounds um to i think it was the blood secretor or it was the blood secretor of one of the priests but anyway they had six wounds so um i think it must have been one of the priests so it had six wounds and um it meant that fortunately it was alive on one wound but yeah he kind of he wounded all of them and then obviously with combat still to go with that tree lord ancient i was yeah i was worried but he was like he said at the start of the game he was like i've got a chance here i think i'm gonna go for it i if it doesn't pay off i think i'm just gonna lose but i have to go for it um yeah. and i think he was right he was definitely right to go for it because at the end of the day it was just his tree lord like it doesn't kind of matter too much um mm-hmm. but yeah he came in he didn't kill anything and then obviously it meant in my hero phase i had three blood boils in range which are all yeah. d6 mortal wounds and silver death hate mortal wounds um yeah and also <laughs> in the combat my he was actually connected to one of my slaughter priests with the axe and my sorcerer lord and they somehow managed between them to put six wounds onto the ancient despite him having a because he failed his mystic shield so he had a three up save through rolling ones yeah. ignoring rend one but just he man he rolled twos for the armor saves for all the attacks i got oh, through so yeah. i ended up doing six wounds on his turn when he charged me so i killed her i'd already taken half his wounds before i even had my hero phase so then i did a blood boil did five and then got no did four so and he had two left and then i got the second blood boil through and i was like as long as i don't roll a one he's dead and then ended up rolling a six anyway so i was like yeah he's definitely dead um but yeah so once once i had my turn it, i was a bit like oh this could be dodgy but um Dreicher didn't make the charge and i think he made a mistake by not teleporting his block of 30 dryads and going for a nine inch charge at me turn one because all of my um 40 blood reavers obviously weren't inspired or anything like that and i think those dryads would have just torn them to shreds and then i would have been in a sticky situation but um he didn't dreicher didn't get into me it was just the tree lord and then yeah i had my hero phase mortal wounded off the tree lord ancient inspired up my reavers buffed up their armor saves got my gaunt summoner on his bailwind did infernal flames killed 20 of the 30 dryads and then battleshock killed the entire unit and then my skull cannons one of them got through onto his knight venator on the other side of the board because i was worried about him picking off my characters got one through his armor save rolled a five killed him outright and i was like okay i've got this game basically from from the end of my turn one i was like okay this game should be mine now um and in the end it ended up being fairly convincing i think it was 30 to 8 in the end um because i got the he obviously went first and then i managed to win the priority so i got the double turn straight away which meant I was able to continue doing my damage and then scored the objective straight away where it landed. And then I basically just held... I held the middle one and my one for the whole game and he kind of got his one for his turn three and then his turn five, but I managed to get it on... I got all three on turn four from using hero phase move to run my reavers into range. Um so yeah it was it was fairly convincing in the end to me but it was it was a really good game and um i have to say after uh, on travis's first turn i was uh i was pretty worried <laughs> but yeah <You're> sweating. <laughs> um, but yeah my second game i ended up playing adam burt um with stormcast who actually went on to win the entire event so um straight did. On, so straight away that obviously means how this game went um in terms of my result um but that was great i actually didn't know adam up front um i didn't really realize actually kind of 
um, where he'd actually been throughout the rankings year last year. He actually, I think, was something like sixth or seventh at the end of the rankings yeah. year. So he 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 top ranks. Yeah. Yeah, he he could have been to Masters, but obviously couldn't attend. And I think because of that, I yeah. didn't I didn't really register that that was him. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, there's a bit of a backstory here with uh, Adam's list because obviously Michael from Doom and Darkness ahead of the event had uh, yeah. asked me on to do the order list review, having played <laughs> order for the last two years. And yeah. Um, yeah. So I went through all their lists and uh, I went through Adam's list, and I, I kind of just went. <laughs> I kind of went through it and I went, I think he's made a mistake with the items here because he hadn't put a mirror shield on his Lord Celestine on foot who had given Staunch Defender. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I just think that's a mistake. He's going to get shot off against loads of Hashtag Ar- shit list. Arby's. So I'm just going to say, <laughs> I never said it was a shit list. And I stand by everything. I stand <laughs> I stand by everything I said in terms of weaknesses, in terms of had he played lists with heavy shooting and skyfires and all that stuff, I think they would have pulled it apart and heavy mortal wounds. There was a lot of zinch there, so honestly, I was mm, expecting yeah. it to be pulled apart. Yeah. But what I will say is, beat my punk ass, didn't it? So, um, <laughs> so yeah, Adam obviously knows what he's doing. He, um, yeah. the list was actually very hard for my list to deal with because my gaunt summon is pretty much useless. They, he doesn't have a big horde. Those dracoths are. Mm very highly armoured and just too much for me to get through um, yeah. and they were able to just kind of kill their way through my reavers a lot a lot quicker um, I, in hindsight I played the game very wrong and I should have played it defensively but because I was um, this was obviously scorched earth because I was very much focused on I need to get across the table to burn his objectives um, I think been, um, you'd been possessed by corn on this by this stage yeah, yes and no i kind of i'm on the blood of the innocent and drinking blood from uh from skulls <laughs> yeah no i i ha- it, it showed my inexperience with my list in terms of i i played the slaughter priests very wrong um i was too defensive with them um and keeping them too near to my blood secretor and keeping him too far off to the side and trying to hide him when actually adam's list didn't have a lot of long-range shooting it had one unit of judicators um yeah. I didn't need to be as worried about it. Um, I went first so that I could get my inspiring presence up, and I he put pr- all of his Dracoths and most of his stuff up in the sky. So I yeah. kind of thought I zoned him out from being able to drop behind me, and then I was like, right, I want to push him as far away as possible from my objectives. So I ran all my Reavers in a big long line, just straight up the table to push him back. But yeah. I was a bit weak on one side where only had ten Reavers. Mm. Um, okay. And if I thought, yeah, if I played the game again, I would. Um, I wouldn't change that much, but I would have moved my characters around a bit more so that they, so that just my Sorcerer Lord was holding my objectives, so I could have been running my Blood Warriors up the table straight away. But it was one of those weird things where because I did go first, and my models where I'd set them up were zoning him out, I couldn't I couldn't run them forwards on my like my first turn, other than the big block of forty Reavers, um, mm. because otherwise I would have unzoned him and he could have just dropped down Dracos behind me. So it kind of held me up a turn from running my Blood Warriors off to try and get his objective, which was probably his weakest one for my yeah. Blood Warriors to go take it. And I still had to cross the table with them. Um, and I just found that my list lacked the reach. It just lacked that ability that I'm, I've been used to playing in terms of yeah. just dropping something nine inches away or teleporting. So um, yeah. what I'm going to do in future is drop one of the Skull Cannons and I'm actually just increasing my reinforcement pull so that I can summon stuff. Okay. Yeah, um, that's true. 
I'm making. I'm. I'm not going to lie. I'm making it even worse because I got flack for taking a corn list with a gaunt summoner in, and fully, <laughs> fully upfront now, the way I'm making my corn list better is by taking out corn and I'm replacing it with summoning pool to summon blue uh, to summon pink horrors and split them into blues. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's you've basically Zinch has schemed and plotted and taken over this corn army. He's he's not taken over, but he it will make the army even more of a threat than it is now um, because I fully think the army as it was was capable of winning those five games um, but it's so just who's the general of your army? the general's just a slaughter priest doesn't matter so he's just a dumb slaughter priest he doesn't care about nothing but corn yeah and while well, you've got a Zinchian sorcerer and the Gaunt Summoner just like weaving their little schemes behind the scenes and just manipulating everything from, from the background yeah pretty much but um, just a He's just a puppet. He's a figurehead. He's just so useful in terms of um, just being able to just delete hordes. Because other than my 40 Reavers, I don't actually have that many bodies in the list. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was worried about playing something with loads and loads and loads of bodies. Like I was terrified of playing Tom Holdsworth's list of 200 giant rats. Well, I wasn't. I had a plan for that in terms of buffing, what a legendary up, list that was. buffing up the Reavers. Yeah, killing Archeon. That was yeah. sweet. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I played, I played Adam and... Um, I just played it wrong. I didn't use my slaughter priests aggressively, which is exactly what I needed to do, because the only way I was going to kill him was with mortal wounds. Um, and if I thought about it, his the longest range breath weapon on his Dracos was 12 inches, so I could have set my slaughter priests up 13 inches behind my front lines um, and just been in a straight line so that he couldn't really come down outside of their range. Um, and they didn't need to be as clustered to the blood secretor as I kept them because he didn't have magic. Um and yeah. stuff like that so yeah i needed to play it differently and i didn't i didn't see it during the game and adam's list yeah it it did its thing and it, it ground it me down and hard as nails list too like... yeah i mean eight two i have to say four units of two dracos it did it did allow him to split his force a lot more and it was fairly independent and being able to the debuffs wouldn't have mattered too much because he can't debuff my prayers and that's where i'm saying i needed to use the yeah. slaughter priest um i do it was strange though because he had a heraldor in the list and obviously i'd clustered all my characters next to a big piece of line of sight blocking terrain so immediately i was like okay i need to kill that heraldor otherwise he's just going to wound them and i have to say i went first my gaunt summoner went infernal flames arcane bolt and immediately did five mortal wounds and killed his heraldor turn one so i was like i should be able to do this to his celestine on foot his Castellan, and by turn three, I was like, they should, or turn two even, with the skull cannon shooting, I was like, they should die, and that's what I was saying about his list, is I just feel like they should die, but then it just, it didn't happen, like, I got two of my skull cannon shots through, turn one, against his Lord Celestant, because he didn't have the minus two to hit, he was only making me reroll sixes, and it didn't matter, I rolled fours and fives to hit, they both went through, they got through his armor save, and then I rolled a four on the wounds. So my first turn, I killed his Heraldor, and his Celestin was on one wound, and I was like, this is fine. Like, I'll, th- this is kind of what I expected. The army should pull him apart. But then it just failed. It, after that, the Gaunt Summoner <laughs> failed Arcane Bolt on double one, two turns in a row. Oh, yeah, and right. it just... Um, and then I rolled... Ice thing comes into play. Yeah. I rolled Infernal Flames, I rolled three dice, and I didn't roll a single four up, and it was just... It was weird. It was kind of like Karma was going, "Ah, oh, no, you, you, yeah. you said this list was going to get pulled apart, so I'm not going to let it happen." But it's like um, getting cursed of, cursed of years off, like two turns in a row. Yeah. 
Um, it's, it's, just, it's the same kind of luck, you know. It's all coming back to us now. But yeah, I'm not going to say it was it was down to luck. I played the game wrong, and Adam's list beat me, and Adam played it completely right. And um, yeah. he yeah, was, absolutely. I have to say, he was an absolutely great guy. Like really fun game. He's such a, he's a really solid player. He told yeah. me a couple of things about my army that I hadn't realised that I'd actually been doing wrong in my practice games. So I was really grateful for him okay. to, for pointing them out to me because I hate playing stuff wrong. Um, <laughs> So yeah, he he completely knows what he's doing, and obviously, uh, well, yeah, he's he's such a great guy. He's really fun, and um, yeah, he's he was such a deserving winner, I have to say. So um, yeah, that went down as a that went down as a major loss to me, um, but but honestly, a really really good game. Um, yeah. And then my third game um, was against Martin Ellis, who was playing an Iron Jaws army, and this was Battle for the Pass. Um, so, Iron a, a combat heavy army. Um, particularly something like Iron Jaws in Battle for the Pass in particular with the narrow deployment is an absolute godsend for my army and the way I play it um, I have to say <laughs> and um, Martin was quite a new player a corn send yeah <laughs> uh, but Martin was quite a new player I think he, he told me at the start of the game that he'd um, I think he'd only played a couple of games kind of before Cancon and maybe only one one with the Iron Jaws list. So he 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 listens to the podcast. So hi Martin if you're listening. Um, yeah, he, um, actually Marty came up and um, spoke to me after the the tournament. So um, we had a good chat afterwards and everything. And yeah, shout out to Marty. Um, Thanks for coming to say hi, mate. But yeah, it was um, it was funny. He was like, I was not expecting to be playing you, <laughs> but I was like I was like. Yeah, that's the thing that happens at these events. It's if you've got a win and a loss, I've got a win and a loss, so we could be playing each other. And um, but yeah, I really, I obviously I didn't know who Martin was, but I really appreciated him upfront telling me like his background in terms of him being a new player because at the end of the day, I I'm at a tournament and I'm a competitive player. Like I'm always gonna like be trying to play to win the game, but yeah. I I don't want to be a dick. But somebody that's a new player, if I just am in tournament mode and I go, this is what I, this is what my list is built to do, and I just go, right now I'm going to do this, I'm going to put all my buffs down, I'm going to basically run across the board, make like this game is mine pretty much from turn one. You're not going to have a chance. The game is complete, the game is completely in my control. I know what I'm doing. This is mine. Like against a new player, that could be very like they could just be like, oh. I just got smashed. I had no enjoyment from that. Like they're not going to learn what like that's that's not fun. And I don't ever want someone to feel like that. But if if I'm at a tournament and somebody doesn't say that they're a new player, I'm kind of expecting people to to be like to know what my stuff does and to be ready for that. Um, so I was really grateful that he said up front that he was quite new and actually kind of we basically just had a teaching game. So I still did everything that I would do, but I kind of I talked through why I was doing stuff. So like when I was yeah. moving my reavers, I said, like I talked him through. I said what I'm doing now is I'm leaving tails back in different positions to zone out the base of your more crusher um, yeah. and stuff like that. I, and I just explained everything I'm doing. I was like I'm now creating a wall to block you off. I'm zoning the space behind so you can't land behind me because my squishy characters are running up behind but i know you won't be able to get behind my unit so it won't matter um and we kind of talked it through and then i also told him if i was playing his army faced with the situation he was in what i would be doing to stop me 
um in terms of like move up i was like you need to move up your brutes into a wall to create a wall against my blood reavers because if you don't if you leave me a gap my blood reavers in my next turn are going to retreat from combat and i'm going to get one model in range of your objective and i'm going to take it off you because i've got a unit of bigger than 20 so i was kind of explaining to him all of that stuff and we we just we just talked it through and um i think i hope anyway that he um he had a he had a an enjoyable game um a much more enjoyable game anyway than it, it could have been if i had just i guess been in tournament mode and not not i guess changed my behavior for my for a newer for a less experienced opponent maybe um so yeah i i, I hope well. i hope i hope martin you enjoyed your game um i got the impression that he did it was quite funny um as i was doing stuff and saying right now you need to activate this unit and you need to use your pylon to move this way to finish your wall and stuff like that he was like oh yeah okay now this is this is really good this is the kind of tactics that i need to be learning i wouldn't have been doing this and stuff so i hope it was i think it i think he enjoyed the game and got a lot out of it and i had a good time as well and obviously it, it was going into it i was fairly confident and then after turn one i was like yeah okay i'm going to win this game but we um it was actually really funny because we um were talking it through and it was slower we only actually got through two turns um and i actually i got a major win but i got no kill points um uh, and yeah. Ma- martin at the end of his turn two i think just managed to kill my unit of blood warriors so he actually got 200 kill points off me and i got none off him because i'd been whittling him down i think his more crusher had two wounds left and his big oh, wow. unit his big unit of brutes i was down to half strength one of his gore grunters one of his units of gore grunters only had one left and it was wounded um his other unit of five brutes only had one left so if it if we'd played three turns i probably would have gone from no kill points to probably killing two-thirds of his army but yeah we didn't and it, it didn't matter and um he kind of said oh i hope i'm not denying you kill points by the game not finishing and i was like no it doesn't matter at all like kill points are a third tie they're like a third tie break um so it's only after all of your game results plus your painting plus your sports then your secondaries it's only if you're tied up to that point that kill points matter and i was like honestly i don't care at all that we haven't got that far like i just want i've had a good game i think you've had a good game it's fine um yeah. so yeah no that was that was good fun um but it meant that i finished day one on two major wins and a major loss fantastic well a good result for the first day and um i suppose like with having that many people like what was 104 in the end was it yeah 104 that were that f- were playing and finished yeah there would have been a lot of people on that result on the first day so it was, it was kind of hard to at that point in the tournament, it, it's still anyone's game, I think, um, unless you've won all three on the first day. I think, but I think a lot of people were on that two wins, one major loss, or three full wins. Um, and looking at the scores from CanCon, you can see how close um, the top sort of fifty is. Like it's just a matter of points between everyone. Um, and there's a whole swath of people like with the tournament points on the the most the far right column where <clears throat> a lot of people get like the 110 there's like just a massive list of people getting 110 um, rankings points so it's uh it's there's a, so many good players in the scene at the moment and um everyone's kind of really just going for gold and it's fantastic i love it it's good really good to see 
yeah it was it was really good and as you say us for from last year and last year was amazing too we had what we had 60 was it six about 60 ish last year and then 46 46 for the um so yeah it was more than double but um it yeah 104 players was absolutely incredible um i didn't think it was going to get there i think clint didn't expect it to to get there i think we all thought it would get to about 80 which was would have been awesome but when it went above 80 and then it hit 100 and then it kept going we were just like this yeah. is this is incredible you can see well, that we've got a really strong scene here in australia and yeah. it, it was awesome well I, actually i know i remember when you guys were saying now we'll, we'll be lucky to get 80 and, and you know we're going for 80 that's cool and I'm, i remember just feeling really deep down just going no nah, we're going to get 100 we're going to break that i i really firmly believe we will and sure enough we did you know like it was it's fantastic i love it yeah and and just from, you know, especially like, as I was saying before, we were, we were chatting to guys from all over the place, you know, like, so we've got Michael from the, the Doom and Darkness, um, uh, YouTube and got to meet him and all his crew and, uh, the Melbourne guys that come up, the Queensland guys, like, there's a real unity with us all there. Like, even though we're all, we've got our tribes now, different little groups and whatnot, like, I don't think it's really clicky per se. Like, everyone's like really open and everyone interacts and everyone, kind of uh loves the game we all know how to, we all talk the same language we all <clears throat> we all uh love painting we love the hobby we re- everyone really appreciates what everyone else is doing and it's just it's just such a, a great community to um to be a part of and just to just to witness it seeing growing from its earliest days when it, when C- sigma first dropped like you know i remember <clears throat> you know 2015 2016 when i think when you first came to australia even chris like we you know, you came to that Games Workshop store and Age of Sigma had just dropped and um, the Sydney store and and we just started playing games, didn't we? Like, we, you know, I had my Bretonians. I was still playing Bretonians and Square Bases at that time when bases didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was that was way back when it was... There and like People were playing with wounds. Day. Hey? People were playing... It, we were playing 50 wounds. There was yeah, no... That was... That's right. Before that's even right. Clash Comp, so... Yeah, yeah. that's right, yeah, and... And we had some great, like, some fantastic games of Warhammer in those early days, like, and playing just some of those early battle plans and everything, and, um, you know, all the hate that was coming from other parts of the uh, wargaming community uh, at large, uh, from other game systems and other sort of corners of the of the community, and, and of course, a lot of disaffected people from the death of the end world, of the, sorry, of the old world and the end times, and, you know, understandable angst there, but... Um, but yeah, I think the games come. They were quite turbulent, turbulent times at the beginning there, but there was this real sort of core of people who just kind of just just grabbed hold of it and really just uh, ran with it. And and here we are, two two and a half, almost three years later, and and uh, it's just it's burning brighter than ever. And I, I knew I just I knew that would happen. I knew this. I knew we'd be at this point in a few years' time. It just it just needed that time to build and to grow and. To have that structure added with the games, uh, sorry, with the uh, General's Handbook, and um, you know, it's it's. I'm, I'm really proud of how it's, how everyone sort of uh, developed. Yeah, uh, it really yeah. it really feels like over the last kind of six months in particular, though, it's really grown. Like you've got all these extra group, like all these other groups are starting to become more well known across across the country like we didn't really know much of the the south australia guys like michael from from doom and darkness and it it just feels like um there's been a real surge over the last yeah six months um 
with with everything going on and um yeah and yeah now look we're uh, over 100 players so i think next year yeah. we'll we'll be looking what 150 maybe even 200 we were bigger than the lvo okay. bigger than the lvo this year so um who knows the, the sky's yeah. the limit but it's um yeah the australian scene is definitely going going really strong and um yeah, workshop if you're listening um you know give us some love we need that love down here um, there's, there's a lot of people here that would uh that would uh very much appreciate you guys coming over here and streaming some uh, aussie warhammer absolutely i think you'd be um very pleasantly surprised and but also like uh, i think years ago they used to do like the games days and things like that so bring, bring back the games days bring back the the you know the big community events um we'd love to see gw really take the lead um in these sorts of things but um you know yeah i think uh, we're doing quite well without it but you know with with your support it'd be fantastic as well just it, you would only improve everything like a hundredfold i think but um, yeah i think in terms of like the meta as well just looking at the final standings like i mean you looked at the standings from lvo and i think there was it was like change host change host change yeah. host whereas <laughs> you look at you look at our top 10 and we've got f- 15 drop stormcast list no formations then you've got nurgle then you've got seraphon fire yeah. slayers and then okay you've got a couple of zinch in there and then you've got but they're not change hosts and then you've got yeah. dispossessed which is amazing yeah. and amazing then, and then you've got ball. more yeah. There was a lot of Stormcast and a lot of Zinch still. I think nine of the top thirteen were Stormcast and Zinch, but only yeah. one only one of those Zinch was Change Host. The rest of it was kind of mixed. You had a couple of no, I think only one Fate Sworn. They were all different. Um, and then the Stormcast lists, yes, I think a couple of them were Vanguard Wings, but the main one wasn't. And it, mm. yeah, I mean Seraphon, Fire Slayers, Dispossessed is amazing. Um, really? And then Wanderers were up there at eighteenth. Like yeah. Yeah. A pure list, like uh, that was a uh, Matt, Matt Gammy's list. Yeah, and KO uh, were at fourteenth, and it wasn't Zilfin. I loved it. It was yeah. it was Barrack yeah. Thring with it was awesome. <laughs> Mate, come so, on. So yeah, come anyway, on. we should um, we should probably talk about the evening of uh, Saturday, and then maybe take a quick break, um, and then probably do Sunday. Um, but yeah, so obviously we wrapped up the the third games on Saturday, and then we kind of all headed off for. Uh, for some dinner or a big big group of us did anyway kind of um most of the kind of queensland um contingent well um the heralds the heralds kind of contingent and the guys from toowoomba like um mick and Gemma and mark and jesse and clint um yeah. and josh um we all kind of headed for dinner um near their place because obviously they we'd had the barbecue i was kind of the previous night so we all went for dinner and a load of the sydney guys kind of um most of the sydney boys i think went yeah, to the, uh, went for the, the common <clears throat> sorry, yeah. the and soccer club <clears throat> right next to the place where the guys were staying and uh we had the dinner and everything was lovely <laughs> then we uh went up to the the place where they were staying it's just like this it was a palace yeah like this palace yeah we're we'll definitely staying there next year patio and like multiple couches everyone was like not one not one bum was without us without a couch you know no, like, it was i think the place was like five times bigger than where we were staying for the same amount of people but um we're staying but, yeah. there next year <laughs> so that was that was good we had dinner i think the, i think the soccer club we went to for dinner were not 
uh, were not they weren't prepared for, they weren't prepared for maybe 20, pe- 20 people though because uh, I think the top half of the menu had run out by the time I ordered and uh, there was a bit of a struggle but it was it was good they served us um, the, chef and then... was, um, the chef was actually serving then going out and cooking and then coming back out and serving and going out and cooking yeah. until he got some backup but yeah, we uh, so we were there for a few hours, and then most of us think yeah headed to uh, like where kind of Mick and Gemma and Dennis and everybody was staying, and uh, we put Mad Max Fury Road on and uh, just oh, drinking so cool. and drinking and chatting, and uh, I had uh, a bit too much to drink, and uh, I think I drank to within a millimeter of my limit because I woke up in the middle of the night and was lying there for about an hour just sweating and just breathing slowly stopping myself from throwing up so i felt awful on the sunday but um a lot of people were feeling pretty seedy on on sunday yeah when my opponent with blake's crew and stuff like you know uh with uh it's kind of uh, i remember chatting to blake was saying it's kind of a bit of a last hurrah because you know he's got a baby on the way and everything and it's uh, a bit of a, a party time um, while they're down there. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just a lot of the guys from that crew. Were <laughs> yeah, the mango, the mango mafia. Yeah, the mango mafia. That's right. Oh, they all had their they all had their brightly coloured uh, Hawaiian shirts and yeah. and uh, straw hats and, the, and stuff. And their fanny funny. bags, the, the fanny packs and everything. Like yeah. Um, <laughs> I think Dave Dave Keegan was um was in that crew. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I um, I yeah, I rocked up to. I was at the table already on the on the on the Sunday morning setting up for um the fourth game, and uh, I'd been up to the uh, the servo and just got like one of those Barocca things, and I was like, I can't eat anything. But over the next few hours, I'm just gonna try and get this in me and keep it down. And I think by the time the afternoon rolls around, I think I'll start to come good because of the electrolytes and stuff, which did happen. But um, yeah, I when my opponent turned up, I kind of said. Just to give you a fair warning, I feel pretty awful. So if I run to the toilet at any point, I'll be as quick as possible, and then I'll be back and speed up. And he was like, "Yeah, I don't feel great either, to be honest." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of those things. Like you, like I remember the first GameCon, I was like, "Oh yeah, hungover all weekend." I was just like, "I'm not going to do that again this year." And you know, sure enough, <laughs> yeah, I, I pretty much the first night or two nights before GameCon. Half a bottle of you know Kraken and half a case of beer with um with Clint and then it was pretty much recovery stations from that point onwards <laughs> with a bit of topping up in between but um, I think I felt a lot better than I did last year I made sure I went and bought lots of fruit and cereal and um, made sure I drank heaps of water and all that sort of thing like I looked after myself a lot better this year than I did last year and I still didn't quite achieve the full effect of feeling good the whole. <laughs> that i think i felt a lot better than what i did last year yeah i i was so prepared this year i went to the supermarket on the friday and i brought like a whole chunk of watermelon and i brought bananas and i brought like shibani yogurt pouches and i brought grapes and then i basically ate half a banana on the first morning and then that was about it (laughs) because i couldn't i couldn't eat on the sunday because i felt so awful and then yeah. I couldn't. I didn't slice up the watermelon, so I ended up just bringing it all home. Ate the watermelon. I didn't. I brought it all home and ate it later in the week. But yeah. Um, anyway, let's take a quick break there, and then I reckon we'll come back and we'll run through get day two. Day two, sure. Cool. And we're back uh, from our break. Um, Chris, day two of CanCon, call to glory. Um, 
How'd you go? What what was your story? Yeah, no, it was good. Um, so game four was Total Conquest. Um, mm-hmm. So Clint had kind of already said the day before that um, there wasn't really any kind of registration. So as soon as you got in, you could basically just start start the game. So um, which yeah. is which is sensible because Total Conquest is the one that can take a bit longer to set up. So um, yeah. we'd got there early, and I just. I just started um, setting up the table, laying all my dice out across the middle and getting ready to put my 9-inch kind of measuring sticks away for deployment. Um, doesn't really take too long. So, yeah, I was all kind of good to go when my opponent turned up. Um, so yeah. I was playing Dalton Copeland, um, and he had the new Maggotkin. So I'd had a quick I'd had a quick look at his list um, on the Saturday night because obviously Clint had posted the pairings. Um, so, yeah, he had... Um, it was basically he had the the um, plague touch warband battalion um, with a unit of twenty eight chaos warriors um, with sail in there. So I was like, yeah, okay. I I know the plan with this list is obviously to use sail to fly those warriors nine away from my lines and basically try and murder me, um, and then and then just have them teleport around the board. Um, he had Roticus in there as well, so he was the big guy. Um, General was a harbinger of decay, so obviously those chaos warriors were going to have a five-up save against mortal wounds, and then another five-up save against everything. Um, and uh, he had three chaos sorcerers, so they could um, all know kind of different spells. And he had a bail wind um, and everything. But I'd kind of thought about the battle plan, and I was like, I know what his plan will be, and I think I should be okay because he had like other than the twenty-eight warriors, he only had three tens of marauders that aren't particularly tough um they are minus one to hit in combat like the whole battalion is which is good but um yeah i was kind of like this shouldn't be too bad because the chaos warriors themselves don't have any rend um but obviously i knew he was going to have blades of putrefaction um to do to do mortal wounds so i was i was kind of black trees as well do you have those trees yeah so obviously set up one at the start of the game which yeah. you put kind of just off of center, which I think is a pretty sensible place to put it, especially mm-hmm. when you can tail stuff out and you just need one model to be within seven inches of it to have the run charge thing. Um, but yeah, he um, he had one tree and then a bit of summoning. I think he had a 260-point summoning pool. Um, yeah. But yeah, so um, he obviously had... Uh, I think he had a three-drop army total um, compared to my um, four-drop. So he he went first. Um, I kind of set up in like with my reavers in a long line, blocking most of my stuff and off to the objectives. Hid my characters behind a bit of line of sight, blocking terrain. My blood to great and my three priests next to each other. Had my sorcerer lord kind of on my back, far objective. Um, and then I put my ten blood warriors in a line across the other fire objective with the skull cannons behind because there was some damn terrain over there so i was ready to take that with the skull cannons um still within range of 18 inches for the chaos sorcerer lord's spell to have them getting all their re-rolls um and yeah pretty much the plan i mean the way i played my list with the blood reavers is that all three of the priests for the entire weekend took bronzed flesh and it's just to give my reavers as close to a two-up save re-rolling ones as possible um because they have a six-up save, so oracular visions from the sorcerer lord just gives them reroll ones, and then if all of my prayers and mystic shield works, if I cast it, then they have a two-up save rerolling ones. So I was like, other than mortal wounds, they aren't gonna die, and they'd be able to hold up his chaos warriors. 
Um, and pretty much that's what I did. Like, I wasn't attacking his Chaos Warriors because any the Plague Touched also gives any wound rolls that I roll against them of a six or more. I take a mortal wound, and because my armor saves, I don't think I got them to the two up. I think they were three up reroll ones most of the time. But mm. um, it kind of meant that I was like, well, I'm going to kill myself more than you're going to kill me, so I'm just not going to attack you. I don't need to attack you. You're not really contesting the objectives where they were standing for most of the game. Um, but yeah, obviously I was worried about Rotigus because of his line of sight spell. Um, and turn one, he was able to just kind of start hitting my Gaunt Summoner, my Chaos Sorcerer, my Skull Cannons. He was just, yeah, going for them. My Blood Warriors, my Skull Cannons. My... He got a good five units, I think, with the D3s. Um, and then, oh. obviously, I was worried with the amount of D3 things at kind of infinite range that Nurgle can yeah. do, combined with the wheel and stuff, yeah. which is why I'd hidden my Blood Secretor and my Priests. Um, but this is, again, a situation where I wasn't aggressive enough with my Priests, Um and my Reavers, I think, were deployed just a little bit too far back to be able to get them in range of one of the objectives. Um, this mm. game, basically, um, it, it was very close, actually, throughout. He got ahead. He he went first, and he won the first two turn priorities, which I think kind of... If I'd got either of them, then I think I would have won it. Um, it turned out that I lost by one point on the, his very last turn of the game. He managed to get... Oh. I'd got... <clears throat> I'd been pulling back and I'd got one point ahead um, cool. and I was ahead on kill points so he needed two points and he kind of, the only way he could do it was obviously to take an objective off me um, which he was able to do but we were kind of having to rush rush through turn four and then especially my turn five to get to the end of it, I I pretty much had to do the turn in about two minutes um, to try and get yeah. through and it was basically like, okay I'm just going to move here I'm just going to move here, that'll be that and I'm done just to yeah. try and get through the game, um, which meant that I didn't, I didn't have time to actually look at all the points and assess. I didn't actually. I'd been writing down the the points per turn in my book, but I hadn't. I didn't actually know what the total score was. And I think if I if I'd had a like just a minute or two longer to look at it and go, okay, this will mean that the score is this, which will mean he'll have to take one off me, and then I would have been able to look at it and go, okay, so that means it has to be that objective. And he'd have to do it with a charge, which means I can just run my two models as far away as possible to make the charge impossible, and then I would have won the game. Um, There was a lot of moments, I think, that if I'd just done this one thing or something like that, that I think I would have won the game. I felt confident going into the game that I knew what I needed to do, um, and I think that still holds, but um, I wasn't... I wasn't aggressive enough with the skull cannons either. Um, I held them back, and I don't think I put them into the fight until turn three. And I actually think I should have charged them in basically turn one because his chaos warrior, his chaos marauders, were the thing they would have been fighting. They wouldn't have killed the skull cannons. The skull cannons, when they did go in, killed them very, very easily. And the key is that when I do wounds with the moors, I get to shoot again. So I would have been able to kill Rotigus, like probably by turn two, because um, yeah. the cannons, the cannons. That. They're they're a real offensive unit, aren't they? Like you've just got to just throw them in, you know. And yeah. They're, they're going to survive and they're going to do damage. They're going to kill stuff. They're going to keep shooting. Like so, you know, just just send them in. Send that was, them in. First. Yeah, that was the thing. Yeah. It was um, the first game because when I wrote the list, I was I wrote the list to be the skull cannons played aggressively because I was like, oh, I'll have them in combat and then I'll be killing stuff and then I'll be shooting in the combat phase. But then the first practice game I played, the I. 
I lost, and the mistake with that was that I was too aggressive with the skull cannons, and I pushed them forwards, which put them into shooting range of units I didn't need to be in range of, and then they got killed. So I, after that, have been like, okay, no, I need to play them more defensively as a shooting unit. And I think that was part of it, is I'd only had four practice games leading up to it with a totally different army, and I was still very much learning the army, and I need to... I needed to get better at learning when to be aggressive with them and when to hold them back. And the same with the priests. Um, I think by my fifth game, I was definitely playing the priests properly um, for a start. And um, and yeah, but um, Rotticus actually, it made me realise he's good and he's a threat. He's, he scales very well in terms of his c- close combat damage. He never really... His rend doesn't really drop. His attacks don't drop. He still kind of wounds on twos. He's actually pretty pretty good the whole time. Um, but actually just having a four-up save and not being minus to hit, you can actually probably take him down quite quickly. Like I was getting I was getting multiple cannon shots through onto him a turn. So I think I'd... I'd quite early on, I think I did 12 wounds to him. Um, and then obviously healed. He stopped some. Um, and then I think healed. He healed a few or something and then um it kind of meant that he was back down to eight but then i did kill him i think by turn three um but i i honestly think i could have killed him by turn two um if i just charged my skull cannons into him yeah um or just charged my skull cannons into the warrior into the marauders killed them much earlier because we had this kind of we kept doing this cat and mouse where like he took the objectives first because he went first then i but he only had two models in range then I ran my Blood Warriors rather than risk the charge because I knew with the run I could get three in range to take it off him. So I got two points. But then he just moved up more models in range and took it back off me to get another two points. Then I charged in and took it back off him. Then he charged the other unit and took it back off me. So we just kept switching back and forth. And I think actually if I would just put the Skull Cannons in turn one, I would have killed him. It would have been mine for the entire game and I'd have killed Rotigus sooner and then I could have zoomed the Skull Cannons across the board and taken his fire objective that he was holding all game with no models on it um, because the Skull Cannons are actually really fast and once I start burning my Blood Tithe to be able to pick a unit and move again, um, I, that's what I did in my turn 4 to 5 was move my Skull Cannons across the board but I didn't run the first I, on my turn 4 hero phase move I was still thinking like oh I'd like to shoot them but realistically, the shooting wasn't going to do much at that stage, and I should have just said, no, I'm not. I'm just going to run them and then run them again in my movement phase, and I think I would have got them in range to take the objective a turn earlier, which again could have been the final point I needed to win the game. So yeah. um, I definitely feel like that game was very, very winnable for the army as it stood. Um, if just, a, like, literally, I think if I'd won a priority or if I think I'd done probably about four or five different things, I think I, I would have won that game. Yeah. Um, but it was very close. Um, I was struggling to follow a little bit. Um, like it was loud, and I wasn't feeling great. Um, and I wasn't as because Magatkin's <laughs> name <of> the <laughs> because because Magatkin's a new book. I had read it, and I knew kind of what the spells did, but I wasn't as across it as I like to normally be with most of the rules. So I was mm. struggling to follow a little bit sometimes with his like with the spells and stuff. He'd be like, "Okay, now I'm casting this," and I was like right what does that one do and and who's that yeah. from um you do that <laughs> but um no it wasn't that and it was all fine and he kept being like yeah remember i'm I'm doing my heal now with the because he had the endless gift on his um harbinger and i know what it does but i think when i was playing it he kept being like right i'm gonna put these dice here so i remember to do them and i was like yeah yeah okay and then i was like oh what are those dice there for and he's like 
because I'm going to do my heel at the end of the phase, remember? And I was like, oh, yeah, sorry. I just, I kept forgetting. Yeah, I should do that with my Mongol. But, um, yeah, you should. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it then got to the point, I think, where we were both starting to just, because we were trying to speed through. It was really weird. We were on the bottom of turn three with an hour left to go. And we were like, oh, we'll be fine. We've got loads of time. And then the game just got really slow. And I don't know yeah. why, but it, it just it just got really slow. Um, so it meant that actually turn four and turn five in particular were just we were rushing through it. Um, like honestly, my turns were okay. Here, phase, do this, do this, do this. Run here, run here. Won't bother attacking. We're done. But um, yeah. it um, yeah, it got to the point like I did four mortal wounds to his harbinger who had four left, and he just took it off. And I was I'd been waiting for him to roll his five up. Resilient, mm, yeah. resilient saves, and he took his model off, and I went, "Oh, don't you have his saves?" And he went, "Oh yeah, what am I doing?" So it was, it was quite funny. I think we were both just being a bit flustered. Um, yeah, and that's what like, that's what you get, I think, from a big Saturday a bit night autopilot kind of mode. Yeah, but um, but no, it was it was a good game. Um, all I have to say, all of my games are really good. I'm always a bit nervous about playing new people, but I played five people I've never played before, and actually, all five of my opponents, I think, I gave maximum sports scores to. Um, it was really good, um, and I had fun, and it was good playing the the Maggot Kin. Um, I was a, I was a bit disappointed to have not got that win because I did feel like I I I I, I did feel like I could have won it and I deserved that game, but um, alas, it wasn't to be. But um, it was funny because obviously I had my Brazen Rune to just automatically shut down any spell, and he cast a lot of spells. His first turn, he cast like he was casting all of his spells. He was like put blades of putrefaction onto his chaos warriors, and he was like buffing them and doing Rotticus's spell and all of this stuff that I knew was going to damage me and everything. And I was just like, okay, okay. And he kept being like, do you want to dispel that? And I was like, no, nah, no. Nah. And then it got to sales spell to fly the unit of chaos warriors. He cast it, and I just went. And I'm gonna spell that, and he was like, "Yep." <laughs> so he was he was trying to get me to not be able to dispel sail spell, but I was like, "No, no, I know what your plan is. You're gonna try and fly those warriors across the board, and I'm not allowing it." Um, <laughs> but that was the thing that worried me, though. It was Nurgle are so fast because he didn't get the spell off, but he'd rolled the plus two move on the wheel, and he didn't even have a great unclean one for plus three move. But those chaos warriors. They just went so fast because I think he managed to get them. I think he managed to get them within seven of, um, or maybe he didn't on the first turn. Of, but he might have done. He might have been able to get them within seven of his tree because he ran them and they obviously got plus two move. They get plus one to run. He rolled quite a high run, and then I think he he yeah I think he did get the charge turn one. Um, no, he mustn't have done. He can't have done. No, he didn't. So then I just moved up and stayed three away in my next turn. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was quite funny. Um, I was losing track and I was constantly just trying to shift my reavers slightly to the left to get one model in range of six to be able to take it off him because I obviously it was a unit of 40. And the first turn he came into me, he had blades on, but I think he only did about four mortals. And then with my armor save, he rolled all these attacks at me, and then I saved all of them, apart from one, I think, because it was a three-up re-roll ones. And I think he was like... Oh. What is that? <laughs> I think he was like, oh, shit. I think he was just expecting to wipe them out. And I was like, no. 
I was like, the only thing I need to worry about is your mortal wound spell. So I knew I had to just bear it the first turn. But after that, I was hopeful that with my banner planted, forcing the rerolls and stuff. And the spell cast on a seven. So I was kind of like, do you know what? I should be able to stop this. Um, but yeah, I only took like four casualties in the next turn. But because of where I'd summoned my own Bailwind, this is where I cocked up. I couldn't, I couldn't actually retreat far enough to be able to retreat from the combat because I couldn't move my models and keep coherency. Um, because I couldn't run around where my I couldn't go within three of my Bailwind up one end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It meant that I didn't. It wasn't until turn three that I managed to, with pylons, get one model in range of six. And then when I did go to claim it, I was like, right, okay, so now I get that. And he was like, no, because then in that turn, I think he did seven mortals, and then I had really bad armor saves, and I failed seven. So I think he killed fourteen in one turn. And if he'd killed. 11 or less I still would have had 20 models but he took me down to 17 models so then after all that I didn't even take the objective and I was like oh for god's sake <laughs> but um but yeah I knew well, what I knew what I, was, I knew what I was trying to do but it didn't it just didn't quite work but um and I wasn't I wasn't aggressive was enough good. yeah yeah but yeah but no so that ended up being very close I think it was um it was literally one point in it and I had about double the kill points so yeah it was very very close um but yeah, and then um, do you want to talk through your game four? Sure. Yeah. So my game four was um, against uh, another Sylvanath player, Noel Leslie. Um, he was from he's from the Central Coast in New South Wales. <clears throat> hey Noel, if you're listening, um, lovely paint, like another lovely uh, army as well, beautifully painted. Um, Total Conquest, as as uh, previously mentioned, but um. This was another, like, extremely close game. So, like, throughout the tournament, um, my best games were against Sylvaneth. So, first game against Dave, very close game. It could have been anyone's right down to the last turn. Uh, same thing happened again, Sylvaneth, uh, in, in Total Conquest. Um, it was one of those games where, okay, so previously, yeah, finished the first day on three major losses, None of my charges worked. Like, there were so many times where I just rolled it, you know, one or two inches less than what I needed to get to actually get in there and, and kind of do something. But um, in this game, it was just kind of the way he deployed and the way um, I deployed as well. Like, with uh, I put a lot of units in the underworld because I'd had that sort of backup uh, game with um, Sylvaneth earlier. And... Basically, I was able to <clears throat> bring up my Hex Race and my Unit of Nine um, Spirit Hosts nine inches away from his uh, Tree Lord and that objective, and I made all my charges, so like first turn charges, first turn in combat, chopping away at his, um, at his Kurnoth Hunters, getting the Mongol into combat with the Tree Lord, getting up on the, um, the points early, um, I was able to take... I, for the majority of the game, I had all four objectives. And I'm just like, yep, yeah, this is fantastic. But he had a few aces up his sleeve. Um, he still had his unit, units of um, dryads, and he still, had, he still had some good positioning of, um, of wildwoods. And um, I was able to block out his deployment for most of the game. But um, he, uh, there was a few points where I started getting thin on models where I couldn't quite spread out enough to... Uh, maintain objectives and also uh, block him from um, deploying. But um, and just as a side note from that, like with my list, I found with this pure Nighthaunt list in the current G- uh, GHB 17 format, um, 
yeah, it was kind of, I felt, even though I went for the list that had the more models and this and that and the other, um, I probably would have benefited from, yeah, yeah, one, bringing Ark and two, maybe even bringing that extra Mongol, um, like Josh's list, actually. Josh's list actually did quite well. I think he's about 24th on the, on the ranking. Um, but, uh, I just felt like, yes, I had these models, but I just couldn't get that extra oomph and extra push that I needed to kind of succeed in the games. Um, but uh, nevertheless, this game was came down very close. Uh, it was down to the last combat and the last turn. Basically, I all I had to do was retreat two of my spirits back onto objective, claim that, and then at a unit of six spirits, that all they had to do was just battle shock off enough dryads um, off the other objective to um, bring it back so I could win by one point. <laughs> That's how close the game was. So it was like the, literally the last combat, and um, there was damn terrain, so I had like a plus one to hit, which basically brought me back to normal because the, the dryads with the wildwood are like minus one to hit. So um, it was it sort of brought the spirit host back to their you know normal um, normal configuration. So. Did a whole bunch of wounds, a whole bunch of casualties, but it just still was enough. So uh, in the end, uh, Noel won 21-20. Uh, I think the score was in the end. It was so oh, freaking close. It was so close. And and, and I, I found that um, the Night Haunts are really well matched against Sylvaneth. Like every game I've played against Sylvaneth, and even before as well, um, and the Kradron Overlords. Um, I played against, I've played against Ben... Um, Spinetti uh, in some of my practice games and uh, his uh, Caradron uh, also played against another Caradron force in my practice games and I found against the, the Rend lists uh, Nighthaunt are really, really evenly matched and especially Sylvaneth because uh, they can negate my plus one um, mortal wounds and I just ignore all their Rends so it's actually a really tight uh, well matched, even sort of game. Um, it's what I found in my in my own personal experience. But other people might have other experiences, but um, for me personally, yeah, that I think, yeah, Nighthaunt for, for versus um, Silverneth, good game every time, and Caradron. Um, so yeah, Noel, well done. <laughs> I think in the first couple of turns he was getting a bit despondent because I was just I was dominating from very early on and uh, racking up the points, but he was able to bring it round to get a one-point victory there. So there was a, a, another major loss. So here I am sitting on four major losses. Potentially could have been on four major wins, <laughs> really. But, um, yeah, this is the way way it goes. And uh, So that's my fourth game. Shall I talk about my fifth game quickly, Chris? Sure. Um, so last game was against uh, another death list, uh, Scott Ryan. Um, another new player to the game. He had a, a flesh to courts list, and uh, I think both of us, I could really tell, poor Scott and I were just like, let's just get this game done. And it was, it, it turned out to be like a, a bit of a grind fest. Um, I was like super impressed with the with the ghouls. Ghouls have got so many attacks. And, yeah, uh, they do have a lot. They're they're fantastic um, battle line unit. I'm I'm just like thinking maybe I should just go over to the, the dark, dark side and just go full flesh eaters, but, um, or just take, uh, or just take Ordnance um, as battle line instead of skellies or zombies. 
But um, yeah, I can't wait to see what. I just think Legions and Nagash is going to open up so many options, like all the new items and stuff. It'll be I want to see what the battalions are and what the options are yeah. for for battle line units and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I I I just think mixed death is going to be the way it goes, and and that's <laughs> what the book seems to suggest is that it will be you can take any units you want, you just pick the kind of the theme for the army, yeah. which is yeah. so cool. Mm. Yeah, I love that, and I can't wait to get sink my teeth, no pun intended, into uh, that book. <laughs> totally intended. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, Scott, he had his. We uh, we played was a death, uh, duality of death. Sorry. Um, by this stage, I was like, look, I'm on four major losses. I've had some very tight, close games. I'm just going to go a bit gung ho here, and I'm, I'm just. I'm just going to go for it. I, I, I'd love just to have at least one win this weekend. <laughs> uh, so I, I brought I brought up my um, spirits and my uh, and my hex rates right in front of his army, form this massive line, and basically all I had to do was just con- all I had to do was contain his um, his troops and his terror guys. Um, he had Arkin as well, so I'll. He was uh, casting that curse of years back on me again. I'm like, oh, please don't let it happen again. Please don't let it happen again. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it was uh, two turns in a row. It was like the first time he rolled all ten, not a single six. I'm like, yes, I know that. I know exactly how that feels. Um, I feel for you, buddy, but um, I'm actually quite happy for that right now. <laughs> um, and the next turn, I think he did eight mortal wounds on the next one. So I was like, oh, yeah, still such a bitey spell. Um. But, yeah, so I was at basically, short short story is I was able to block him back, keep him back from the objectives, um, Mongol on one, um, thinking about Banshee on the other, and they just held out all turn, clocking out points, clocking out points, and it just became a grind fest. I eventually was able to get rid of the Hex race and get rid of some spirits that were blocking him, but he, he came in and he did sort of take that objective, but by then it was too late. Um, uh, the, I'd had, I was way too far ahead with him with the points, and... Um, and then it just came down to secondaries, and I was just trying to get those secondaries up, um, which I got a few throughout the tournament, but I, 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 you know, I'm thinking about six or seven um, secondaries. But, uh, yeah, no, thanks for the game, um, Scott, and um, I hope you come back for, for more tournaments and um, you had a, a good army. It was a strong list, and um, I hope you learnt something from the game and, and uh, looking forward to uh, facing you again someday across the tables. So, but uh, for me, yeah, four major losses and one major victory. Um, yeah, I was feeling a bit down, to be honest, but by the end of the second day. But, at the, but yeah, I took I, – I went in there open eyes knowing that Nighthorn are not the top tier list. I went there to have some fun, meet some new people – um, I've, every single game I played was against someone new. Um, had some of the best games of Age, Age of Sigma I've ever played. Um, also, I was in it sort of more or less uh, in it for the painting as well this year. Like uh, very little time between getting back from my from work and then to CanCon, bit of prep time. I had to sort of do it a bit more realistically, so went with the Night Haunts, pure Night Haunts, paint a whole lot of spirits. Um, put a lot of effort into a, a nice display board and 
and um, came out with uh, runners-up for the judges' um, painting scores. Yeah, and... your your display board was phenomenal. It was so good. Anyone that hasn't, ha- have a look on the Facebook page. James has put up a load of pictures of um, his display board, but also loads of the other armies that were set out um, for best presented yeah. and coolest army and stuff, and there were some awesome entries. Um, but yeah, mate, your display board was looking amazing on the day. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that pro- that process of creating um, that that display board, and I've actually um I've actually got a bit of a taste for uh, terrain and and and, uh, and game board building now. Like it, like I've just done that square, and I I think I think I've opened up a whole new uh, new sort of realm of of hobby, like for myself. Like I, you know, you look at uh, the Warhammer World. Uh, terrain boards and everything how they do these amazing displays and like almost like like diorama sort of style uh, gaming boards and people want to get on you know, everyone who goes one more wants to play on these tables and I think um, I think definitely as a, as a project for for this year or, or at least over the next couple of years is to really start developing uh, that sort of aspect of the hobby for myself um, uh, to be able to present a board that's just like being hobbied up to the point where it's like a, a movie set kind of thing like you know like which is kind of like an effect I kind of started approaching with um, my display board but um, yeah like I'm thinking about getting uh, you know the, the modular hills uh, the the battle realms boards you can get from GW and kind of combining that a bit with the with the Shadow Dominion boards and trying to yeah maybe do like a, a shot like sort of looking at diff- doing different sort of themes of different realms um, yeah. and really really doing it properly like, like bringing it up from the ground ground up and not just a, a board that you play on where you just place down on your terrain and that's it and then having a lovely day you know fat dumb and happy but um uh, just really kind of create a, a whole universe within you know like re- really bring the mortal realms to rot to life I think yeah um, and I've got a real taste for that a real hunger for that now and I think that's probably something I might start focusing on more in terms of uh, the hobby because I've got a lot of a lot of death stuff ready for this uh, this battle tome and I think I'll, I definitely will be painting out more models for that don't get me wrong like uh, well, I'm waiting to see the rules and to read out and see where I want to go whether I want to go zombie strong or go skelly strong or see if it doesn't matter what you do or uh, definitely got a lot of spirit hosts so <laughs> I think it'll be fine but there'll, there'll be some more Vargeist in the mix and uh, I've got some blood knights on the way uh, from from a, another company that does a alternative um, uh, blood knights. I think it's GameZone. Oh yeah, I bought that. Oh, you've probably seen those, Chris. There's the GameZone guys that do um, blood knights. So I've got some of those on the way. And but I think yeah, it's definitely still going to be very much the year of death in a good way uh, for uh, for my hobby. But I yeah, think I think. I think a lot more terrain building I think going on because I've got that fortress now I've got Skullvane Mance slash Warscryer Citadel coming still got a Skull Keep um, I've got fences I've got a couple of like uh, tabletop worlds um, uh, cottages in the wings you know there's there's a lot of stuff I think I'm, I think I'm going to start getting more into into that sort of side of the hobby like uh, yeah 
No, that's cool. I mean, yeah, that's awesome. And obviously, yeah, for running events, terrain is super useful. So I think it's um, I think that was one of the really useful things actually about CanCon was or Call to Glory, obviously, is that Clint had the requirement for everybody to bring three pieces of terrain because yeah. putting on a tournament for 104 people, he just couldn't do that much terrain himself, especially traveling from Toowoomba. That would have been kind of over a thousand pieces of no over 500 pieces of terrain um for him to do over 50 tables with 10 to 12 pieces like yeah it would have been stupid amounts of terrain so getting people to just bring three pieces each like that's not unachievable at all and um it just massively helps um and i think it it's quite cool to do a bit of terrain every now and then and put some put some work into it and yeah it just makes such a difference in how you play your games as somebody that never used to use any terrain or anything like that playing old school warhammer like just wanting an open space because the game didn't really work very well around terrain you just kind of went oh there's terrain there we'll just basically ignore it whereas age of sigmar i love terrain like i'm always looking for it to see can i get can i get damned or do i need to maybe stay away from that piece of mystical or oh i need to be careful about running and charging here because it's deadly like i just think terrain adds so much it plays into your tactical decisions which um, is what it should do because the generals of old and and generals of today um have to consider the lay of the land yeah. and and use it to their advantage you know you, you, there are strong points in different uh terrain formations which um need to be exploited and defended or they, this is a really good defensive point this is a great place for an ambush or you know you can funnel troops in this place and like there's a whole lot of factors there involved with the with terrain and the lay of the land, which is in you know inherent in um, tactical thinking and battle planning. Um, yeah. And if this is a war game, this is a battle game. So why why do we ignore a lot of these uh, terrain sort of rules for the? Yeah, you know, it, 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 it's just another layer of of excellence to the game, which yeah. Which um, which which improves us as generals. In, well, that's in, the th- that's the know. thing. I don't think we are. We don't. I don't think we do ignore it anymore. We do use it, and right. I just yeah. I just confirming. I think it adds so much to the game, which is great. But um, Absolutely. but yeah, no, that's really cool to hear that you kind of want to do more on the terrain side, and the the board sounds really cool. I think you could definitely do like six of the kind of shattered dominion tiles, and if you kind of had, if you maybe put realm gates like fixed into them on the the corners, you could almost have them as like a a board that you can walk through so you can do a test board for each realm like you've got your death realm you could do a fire kind of lava type realm with realm gates so you just you walk through the realm gate into the next one and that would let you have these kind of six completely yeah. different tiles but six realms on one board yeah that would be cool <laughs> the, the realm gate in each and objectives in each and just do a little you know match play sort of travel fest through the through the battle for realm gates yeah that'd be cool yeah. um but yeah, just, that's another thing. Like um, with terrain, I know we've been talking about it, but um, we're we're all very established now in uh, rolling for mystical terrain now. Um, what I would love to see um, is just to take it a, that next sort of step where we start to sort of incorporate maybe time of time of war rules. Um, uh, I don't know if, if the people who may not be familiar with it, but uh, in a lot of the uh, Realm Gate Wars books. Um, and also just the war scrolls for scenery and things like that. There's um, a whole lot of a whole other layers of rules that we can use uh, to incorporate in our games um, 
to kind of add a bit more spice. Like we're all at sort of perhaps come to this level now where we kind of understand the basics. Everyone understands the basics. We understand how the terrain works. We understand this and that and the other. Um, we're masters of our of our armies, and we know a lot about other armies. And like, uh, are we at the point now where we can kind of maybe sort of bring it up at another step and start incorporating another layer of rules into the game? Oh, I don't, I don't know. know. I, I, don't I, know. Would, I would love to see that. That's like my dream. I suppose it's kind of like a, a bit of a maybe. It is, it is a dream, but I, I think it's definitely possible maybe further down the track. But um, It's cool, it, and I think I think in some kind of narrative events you'll see it happen, but I think in yeah. in kind of mainstream match play tournaments, I think it's just a lot of yeah. games still don't finish. There were still a lot of games that I heard of that were two, three turns. Like one of my games only went to two turns. Yes, it was against a new player, but the point mm. of there's always new players, and I think yeah. like if you start... like if you start adding all those extra layers in, I do, I do, I do think the game probably will stall a bit um, in match play. But I agree with you. I think time of time of war rules are really cool, um, and I would always be happy to play them in like narrative kind of games and friendly games because um, you've got the time to keep track of it then. Um, but I'm not sure you'll. I'm not sure they should come in for full kind of match play. But yeah, for full competitive tournaments, like even if you just like introduced one element. You know, so, for example, we've got Malign Portents coming up. Um, there's going to be rules in place, uh, Time of War rules for Shaiish. So maybe you could set a tournament and say, okay, this, this tournament is being uh, is set in the realm of Shaiish. So Time of War rules for Shaiish apply to all games. Um, and so everyone understands that this, that this is the extra sort of layer of rules which would apply to to all the games in that tournament yeah. because we're in the realm of Shayish. And uh, it could give people an opportunity to practice it and kind of use the different um, elements and mechanics of that uh, to their advantage or how to sort of channel that into their own lists. And they'd probably write lists around that, you know, like... Um, yeah, maybe. There's so, many, there's so many unexplored potential, I think, in Age of Sigma, which we can really sort of tap. It just takes that little bit of extra kind of... Uh, Kind of, I guess, inspiration on the, on part of the the whole community, and and it's it's all there for us. We just need to sort of just take it up and and sort of decide. Yes, this is what we're going to do. This is what we want to do, and um, hopefully enough people get on board with it. But maybe I'm just a dreamer. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I'm not. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think we'll get there. But um, maybe that's just the that's the narrative. But yeah. Got I- me just like wishing everyone was narrative yeah. <laughs> i think i think um that may be a conversation for another time i think we're getting a, a bit derailed from cancon but i know your dreams of narrative james your dreams of narrative yeah but, i'm um, a dreamer yeah but yeah um but for now cancon call to glory very much match play um and yeah duality <laughs> speaking of death duality of death um was the last was the last one um, so you oh, yeah. you got your you got your major win in that last game. Yes, I had my one major win. Um, so, but it sounds yeah. you said like oh you sound like every game was really close though. So the list was in there. So yeah, like the the best games of the tournament were my first game and my third game. And they're both against Sylvaneth, and they're both very close. Like we're talking like you know two points difference for the first game, one point difference for the second game. I think second. Oh, sorry for the third game, but for my second game against Arkham, where I got like Curse of Years twice in a row, I think 
if that hadn't actually happened, <laughs> I think I would have been with a good chance on that game as well. So yeah, a, a potential, you know, in, it 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 didn't happen, but potentially could have had four majors. Yeah, and um, like as you say, like Josh, no chance against the Krognado though. Josh, no, ch- no chance against that. Okay, but, unless I unless I'd known what was coming in. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, as you say, Josh Mayer came. 25th with pure night haunt so i think yeah. i think they are a really good army too really beautiful army but yeah he does himself another credit he's actually a very good painter josh and you should uh give yourself more credit for that because that bright green and the scheme you had and the conversions and and your, your double mongols in arc and it was just yeah a fantastic list and you should be proud of it mate yeah, it was really cool, and I think he got a. I think he was nominated for painting because he had his display board, and yeah, it looked cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think Nighthaunt are actually just they're a cool army. They can do. I think they could always kind of compete, and against certain armies, they just will always do reasonably well. Um, yeah. Just because of like ignoring Rend and having the ability to do mortal wounds and stuff, I just Everything lies, you know. Yeah, I mean against <laughs> against where you need to go and against armies that debuff like to hit rolls, I think they can struggle. But other than that, I yeah. think they are naturally just a good like. I think they'd be very strong against stuff like Iron Jaws, um, because yeah, they've got the ability to just pop up where you need them. And then they can ignore rend. They can do mortal wounds over mass attacks. Like I think they're just a good, like middle kind of army. That if they're played really well as well, I think they do have potential to do quite well. But um, yeah. and it'll be interesting to see how the kind of the new Knight of Shrouds affects them in terms of having having a a, a slightly more resilient hero that can give them a built-in plus one to hit. It's going to start making those spirit hosts even more scary. So. Gonna be a death. It's gonna. There's gonna be a Death Star of twelve spirit hosts. Yeah. Um, surrounding the Knight of Shrouds within his nine-inch bubble. Yeah. But yeah. Um. Anyway, I will. I guess quickly talk through my game five. Um. Yeah. So that sure. was obviously Duality of Death, which I, I hadn't had a chance to practice. Um. But I kind of was like, I'm pretty certain this is probably my army's weakest because all I I don't have any behemoths and I just have foot heroes basically. Um, and then I drew James Sharman, who was actually staying with us, and he had pop up, he had pop up Clan Scryer, and I was like, oh, oh well, that that's all over then, isn't it? Um, so um, yeah, I honestly was like, I I'm not, I, I don't think I'm gonna win this game at all. Um, I obviously set up to at least give myself past turn one. I put all of my heroes backboard edge. I spread out all of my reavers to create a massive met like one inch spaced gap up to the 12 inch line so that there was no way he could pop up even in combat and be in range of my characters um i strung out my skull cannons along the backboard edge um the intent was to try and bubble wrap them as well from being out of range of shooting but i didn't have enough reavers or bodies to be able to fully do it um so i was like oh well they're just gonna die but at least i dragged them off to the other side to kind of go if he come, he's gonna have to come up over here to deal with the skull cannons, which means that he's not quite as close to my characters. Um, and also, there was a piece of mystical terrain over there. But um, anyway, what happened? He went first, as expected. He popped up um, because the thing I was, the thing I was worried about is if he didn't pop up. Like a lot of people just don't pop up; they kind of wait. But actually, I'm like, no, you should just pop up and just kill me because you will just kill me or most of the time should just kill me before I'm inspired or anything like that. Um, 
But actually, that's exactly what James did. He popped up with all three of his Storm Fiends, all with Warp Fires. Um, but he he popped them up all in one place next to each other. Um, oh. And I think the people, I think a lot of people play Scryer and they just kind of, because they can pop up anywhere, basically outside of three, well, they can pop up within three if they want, but he didn't need to. Um, they don't, remember that they can still move them so they tend to pop them up all next to each other which is what james did um and actually i don't think he needed to if i was him i would have spread them out more so that he could have spread them out closer towards my heroes and created a big kind of long line instead of them all being in a cluster next to each other and mystical terrain um but anyway he popped up he smartly passed off the re-roll for the coven um from the arch warlock the once per hero phase re-roll onto the to be used on the coven with all the warp fire storm fiends because they were popped up next to mystical one of the tests he rolled he rolled a one for mystical and he was like oh used his re-roll and he rolled another one and i was (laughs) like oh okay so one of his units of storm fiends couldn't shoot me and then it came to a shooting phase and he shot me with the closest unit which is always a mistake and he did how many wounds did he do? I think he did 12 mortal wounds with that first unit, which killed one skull cannon and put another one onto five wounds, because the great thing is they have seven each. So he only actually, although he nearly killed another one, he only actually killed one. So I obviously took off the skull cannon that was closest to him, which then meant because of the bubble wrapping I had been able to do, his third unit wasn't in range to shoot them. Mm. So actually it it didn't take that many wounds. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of okay here. And so then it, it actually, I kind of went, well, this is, I kind of went from going, this isn't going to be a game. I'm still going to obviously set up as best I can think, but I'm expecting to just get taken off. But yeah, I sort of went, oh, maybe I'm in with a chance here. Um, he popped up his his warlock, obviously, onto range of one of the objectives. And I did have to tell him he was about to move on to his um, shooting phase. And I said, just, just move just say that you're moving that warlock a millimeter just so that he's technically moved because otherwise you've just set up on it which doesn't count as a move so you won't have claimed that objective because i was like i was on the back fit foot in terms of the matchup but i didn't want to be like i didn't want to be a dick and just be like oh well you didn't move so you can't have the point so i just told him because he wasn't aware and i was like just just move him a millimeter and claim that objective so he did that um and then yeah and then it was kind of i didn't lose too much i lost a skull cannon um a few reavers and like four or five of my blood warriors and then i was like oh okay so i had my turn obviously made my reavers immune to battle shock and i wasn't in range to do my mortal wound blood boils but i was in range obviously for all my buffs so i started to kind of just putting all my buffs on and then because he'd popped up i was like well i can run now so then i literally just ran my entire army towards the other side of the board to go for that objective and to try and get my heroes close i actually didn't plant my banner and i didn't summon my bail wind until turn three um because i was like no nah, i'm not in position here i don't need to be here i need to move up the board um and i just kept running i ran everything so that i could move my skull cannons out of range because once his storm fiends are up they only have a 14 inch threat and because my skull cannons could move eight i could always keep out of range because he'd gone first as long as i gave him priority i could make sure he could never be in range of me um and he was really because he'd been so terrified of those skull cannons which is why he popped up to kill them because he was like they do d6 damage though and like if 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 i don't kill them you'll just kill me in like two turns and i was like i think you're overestimating them 
because it's only yeah. at the end of the day it's only three dice and they are threes and three ones yeah i was like they're threes and threes like yes i can re-roll ones but i roll a lot of ones and twos and they're only d6 damage so i still have to roll well to kill a storm fiend but he was he was like no and i said to him honestly just watch they will fail and the skull cannons did fuck all in that game the first turn two twos and i was like there you go the next turn one and two and i was like i told you and he was just like how is that happening and i was like because it's one or two dice and it always happens yeah um they really don't they don't do as much as you it's like passive years like think usually does nothing um <laughs> no it, it normally does yeah one or two but it, it doesn't exactly it doesn't do the People look at it and go, "That's an auto kill my unit," and you go, "Realistically, it's not. Well, no, like it, might, it will do nothing, or it will do maybe two. Yeah, maybe one. One on a good day. <laughs> but yeah, the skull cannons were the same. They did very little in that entire game, but they were great. I used them for. I knew that he would be threatened by them, which is why I stuck them out to one side and went, "Well, you can come for them, but if you come for them, you'll be out of position to get my characters." And anyway, it let me kind of run run my characters forwards and my priests and I basically just ran my reavers to kind of get me up there to create a wall in case he didn't really have anything else that was the problem like he had the three units of storm fiends and then he had a warp lightning cannon sat at the back of the board that was out of range and then the other engineer over at the back of the board with that warp lightning cannon and then his arch warlock towards the back of the corner so he I just was like I need to kill this warlock that's on that objective um which is why I was like, I need to get my Gaunt Summoner in range because he was quite—he wasn't within 36. So I was like, I'm not popping my Bailwind until I'm in range. So it took me a few turns, and I was like, I'm just going to have to let him get the points. But because I had my Chaos Sorcerer Lord on mount, he could move 10 base. So I was able to, in two turns, run him. So I managed to get him onto the objective on my turn two, and then yeah. he sat there for the entire game. So um, he was able to sit there because his guy, his other stuff wasn't in range to get to him. So then I, by my turn three, it was basically, I was running my Reavers up, get running my, like, driving my Skull Cannon motorbikes away, shooting at his Storm Fiends, and then getting my Slaughter Priests in range of 16, but outside of 14, for his um, Storm Fiends, and just blood boiling them. And then I started using my Hero Phase moves. I did one where I used my Blood Tithe in my Hero Phase to run one of my Slaughter Priests. There was a turn I just rolled sixes, I think, for my Slaughter Priests, and I run... Oh. I ran him 12 inches across and then I in my movement I blood boiled and then in my movement phase I ran him again and got another 6 so in one turn one of my slaughter priests moved 24 inches across the board and then I got the priority and I did a blood boil on on his warlock and did 4 wounds to it I think and then I went for I only had to do one wound did infernal flames against it and I didn't roll a single 4 up and I was like oh here we go again and then I managed to cast arcane bolt which was guaranteed to kill it so I think I think on my third turn, I managed to. He had the first, he he had priority turns one and two, um, and then I, so he scored and he managed to score in his turn three. So he got one two three from his warlock, and then I got one on my first turn, two on my second turn. But then sorry, my third turn, I got one on my second turn, two on my third turn, and then by my fourth turn, I managed to kill his warlock with my slaughter priest that had run across the board and get him onto the objective so i scored one point with him and then three points with my sorcerer lord so then i scored four and i'd stopped him from scoring and then in his final turn he got his up he killed my 
uh, Slaughter Priest, he got his Arch Warlock onto it and scored one, but then he wasn't able to kill my Sorcerer Lord, so then I scored four, so then I actually ended up winning the game um, on a major win, which I had not been expecting, but it was um, it was actually a really good game. It went from something yeah. that I thought Pop-Up Scryer is just going to be Pop-Up and I've taken you off, to yeah. actually being quite a tactical game that was quite close, and there was moments where he got his Warlock at the back of the board onto a Bailwind with his reinforcement points to try and snipe off my Sorcerer Lord um, because he was... Have a Bailwind off. <laughs> he was, well, yeah, he was outside of range of my banner, so I couldn't make him re-roll the cast. And then he... Or no, maybe, no, he did re-roll the cast. Um, to, he tried to cast his big um, D6 Mortal Wound spell. Oh, it's so he, brutal, that re-roll. He passed it. Re-roll thing, yeah. He, he passed it the first time. I made him re-roll it. He passed it on an even higher dice, so he rolled a ten with the <laughs> with the Bailwind. It was on an eleven, but yeah. I'd, I'd been running one of my other slaughter priests at him to just be like, right, I'll try and kill you with blood boils. So I'd got my slaughter priest rain in range to unbind, and I went, well, I might as well try. I need a twelve, and I rolled a double six, and I was like, oh my god, as if <laughs> as if I've just done that, and I <laughs> I stopped him even being able to roll it. But had he rolled it and rolled a five or a six, he would have killed my um, Sorcerer Lord, and I think he would have probably won the game. Well, I Cause... think uh, the the, uh, the Eye of the Gods was definitely upon you on this game, my friend. Oh, actually, no, I think I still would have got the game, because I would have been able to get another hero. So I think I still had the game at that point. But, um... Hey, don't, don't diss the gods, man. But oh it was um it was actually a really good fun game, and I, I'd kind of walked up to it going, come on, kill me now, just take me off. But, um... Yeah, a bit, bit of, mystical, bit of mystical terrain. I think that bit of mystical terrain and a double one on his part. Um, f- yeah, it was quite interesting. Um, it, it, I think it, it gave me, a, it gave me the chance, and I, I ended up getting a major win on the game I didn't think I was going to win that day, and obviously I got the major loss on the game I had thought I was going to win. So it kind of all worked out in the end. Yeah. But yeah, so um, yeah. No, yeah. I ended up with three major wins and two major losses, which put me 32nd, which I was actually pretty pleased with. I think by the end of it, I was oh. expecting to be about... I was just hoping for top half. I was hoping to be in the 50s um, yeah. or lower, because I'd only got six of my secondaries as well. I hadn't been doing very well on the secondary objectives. Yeah, I was um, uh, very closely a lot of those secondaries, and not even... Um... Not even Adam got uh, full points for secondaries. Yeah, I think it was like 14. Yeah, I think only one person actually got all all of them, which was Scott yeah. Scott Norwood actually got all 15. Oh, did he? Oh, I must have missed that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. But yeah, cool. Um, oh, well, Scott. But yeah, I was um, I was actually really pleased in the end for that 30, 30 second. And I, I playing the games, I kind of went, yeah, the list does actually struggle to just put models across the table it doesn't struggle with reach in terms of being able to do wounds because of the long range shooting and magic but it it struggles to actually have bodies on objectives across the table um and that's where that's where the change is and that that's what was really fun is it's playing something very different it's making me it's made me change my it's i wanted to play something different because i've been playing an army that the movement phase was super key and it was just teleport in nine inches or teleport nine away from where you need to be Whereas yeah. this list, I think, has a lot more power in terms of it has a lot more, like it can shoot stuff. It does quite a lot of mortal wounds at range. It's actually got a lot of bodies that are quite can be quite resilient and surprise people. But it obviously doesn't have the ability to teleport. Um, 
so it's how can you change that list to just keep making it stronger um and yeah i think i think it's about knowing which games to be aggressive with the priests and the skull cannons and which games to be defensive and and stuff like that so yeah no it was good fun i really enjoyed the weekend um actually and i was very drained by the end of by the end of sunday i think the big night yeah yeah i think the big night of saturday didn't help but um it was it was really good there was such a great vibe that night though like everyone hanging back at the place and you know fury rode on on the background and i don't know it's just it's just a great vibe everyone was chatting talking warhammer and it's just a it's just a good community vibe yeah no it was great and actually warhammer just it gets you so enthused like as much as i was drained by the end of the day and playing game five it kind of it all finished it wrapped up the awards ceremony was great and then actually driving back with me and ash it wasn't like oh i don't want to talk about warhammer immediately we were like right how can i improve my list and then we were we were writing lists for like future coming like future tournaments and stuff so yeah no it was good fun. Yeah. i have to admit though like i'd be, i guess because of i've my i had my four losses and and my um and my one one victory but uh my consolation was getting runners up in the in the painting judges prize um but on the way home i, I was just like kind of like a bit of a zombie in the car yeah <laughs> By myself, I did. I drove home by myself. Went back to um Sam, back to my wife's um parents' place, and we had dinner there before we went home. But but the uh, the drive back was very very much zombie like. And I remember putting on a, a podcast. To, you know, I think it was one of the old heralds. I don't know who it was. Someone someone listened to someone. It was just like, you know what? I just can't warhammer anymore. <laughs> and I drove back just going. But yeah, it was good. <laughs> I loved it. Um, yeah, so that I will was... never, never stop going to CanCon. If I if every year comes around and I can go, I will go. Yeah, I think it's the I think it will be the big <laughs> Age of Sigma event every year in Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So yeah, should we quickly run through the top ten? The final kind of placings was um. Yeah. Number ten was Robert Rymers with Stormcast. Um. So that was the double double Star Drake list. So really well done yeah. from him. I. I thought it would struggle more with the body count, but um, yeah, obviously well done, Rob. Um, I actually played a um a practice game against that list <laughs> with my night haunts and uh, was soundly beaten, and that was like my first game back. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Um, so, thanks, Rob. <laughs> but yeah, so um, then it was then it was um Scott Norwood um in ninth with Disciples of Zinch, which was kind of appropriate. Um, and that, so his was the Fate's War. No, not the Fate's War. Um, he has the flying chaos warriors with nine sky fires, kind of all the good stuff, Lord of Change, everything you'd want. Um, so that'd be like the, the filth swan. Yeah. yeah, it definitely needs to be more than a hundred points. All of those uh, ever chosen battalions do. I think it change. I think uh, Luke was saying it all. Just you don't need to take things down. You just need to bring a few things up. Yeah, I think yeah, all of those formations need to go up to about the two. 240 mark because they can basically be one drops but anyway um john mcgrath came in eighth with stormcast eternals his was one of the three vanguard wings there i think his was the best of the vanguard wing lists um it had the sisters of the thorn for bouncing back mortal wounds and re-rolling the saves um dan say amazing showing coming seventh with dispossessed um really strong the prime being a great ally even though i think the prime kept letting him down with his um nigh impossible to fail charge but he kept failing yeah, it like, 
I remember the photos he put up. He had like a, one photo with like a two, like a, a double one for a charge, and was like, "Oh yeah. man, I feel for you, dude. Feel for you." Yeah. <laughs> but his conversion of the Silicon Prime is amazing. I love that. It's just so the dwarf theme he has incorporated into his whole army. Yeah. Dwarden theme he's done is incredible. I, I, I'd actually uh, really love to get um, Dan on the show at some point to um, to discuss. Uh, to discuss the ins and outs of his of his uh, Duarden journey and to do a hobby a hobby episode, a hobby episode, and also like well like he's always up there like yeah. every tournament he's up in the the top ten. Well, yeah, and, he was at Masters with Dispossessed, so and so I think I think there's a lot of people out there who would love to know like okay, so Dispossessed, why, how, how are they doing so well, why, what, what yeah. can we talk about? What, 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 why? Well, I think, what? It's, I think it's they do actually have a lot of bodies. They've got good shooting. They can have high rend. With the pickaxe, they solve their, mo- their, saves. They solve their mobility <laughs> issue for a big unit. They can shrug off magic. They've got ignorability. They can ignore rend. They can reroll their saves. And then, a- and then adding the prime in gives you another unit that you can deep strike where you need it that has huge damage capability. Yeah. It's great. Like it, it, the list he's written. Like I look at it and go, yeah, this this is competitive. This is why it works. But um, anyway, uh, Luke Taylor obviously doing really well again. Sixth with Zinch. Um, and Luke, you're the man. He, had, he, he, he let's be honest. He was taking nine Skyfires, Lord of Change, all that filth. So yeah. Such <laughs> And then <laughs> a- Ashley McEwen in fifth with Disciples of Zinch again. But I have to say, I think Ash took the least typical. Zinch list there. Yeah, he only had great. he only had three Skyfires. He's got three or six Enlightened, but Ash loves his Enlightened, and I think they're really good. And yeah, he he did the strongest showing out of all the Zinch, and he had yeah, he so, had yeah. his Ogroid, and he had a ve- he had Acolytes, a very non-typical Zinch power list, and he he did yeah. the best out of all the Zinch lists there. So well done, Ash. It's um, definitely a strength of Ash because like um I remember remember at Exiles we. A local club we uh, we played in Sydney from on Friday nights called Exiles, and um, remember we played like a triumph and treachery night sort of thing. And um, I just remember like uh, Ash may may have been feeling a bit down on on the Zinch whole Zinch thing. It's like oh the Zinch filth thing, but but he always takes like a yeah like the alternate Zinch list, and, and he's shown himself um, to be uh, on top of all of that, and uh, shown you know you don't have to take the quintessential Zinch list to succeed. And on top of that, he uh, won best terrain. Yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. He had the, he had the uh, what is now called the War Scry Citadel, also known as the Skullvane Mance, and um, beautifully painted. And honestly, every time I look at Ash's army, I, like, I'm just blown away. He is an amazing uh, painter. Like, anyone who's listening right now, uh, next event, just, just go to Ash's army and... Get down on your knees and very carefully, like, just look at what he does. He uses all sorts of techniques. He should be, I, in my opinion, he should be winning um, these these painting scores because he is a very meticulous, skilled, and um, excellent painter. Um, brilliant color choices. Um, I was looking at his, uh, he played in the Shade Spire, as we mentioned earlier. Looked his, uh, he had the Sepulchral Guard, um, warband and looking at the the level of uh, feathering he was doing like a feathering technique on on the skeletons and everything I'm just like wow you are an unsung hero my friend you need 
like I'm like obviously within within the scene, uh, the the clan filth sort of arena or whatever, like the Sydney scene. Like he's he's adulated as as a brilliant painter. Don't get me wrong, but I I just want to see him to win. I want to see him winning these painting prizes because he's definitely uh, worthy of those uh, victories. So props to you, Ash, Chris. Sorry, mate. Continue. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think Ash is a great painter. And actually, he has been picking up awards while you're away. Obviously, he got my judge's choice for best painted at Slaughter last year. And he got the best presented um, trophy at um, Moab as well last year. So um, he's definitely Ah, getting recognition for his painting. But but yeah, so (laughs) that was... um, So yeah, we should probably carry on with the the rankings um, as well. Yeah, so obviously Ash was fifth with Disciples of Zinch, as we said. And then fourth, James, who was fourth? Uh, Timothy McDivitt with his Fire Slayers. OMG. So yeah, Tim Tim had swapped from Masters. He was playing Vanguard Wing, um, like similar to me um, at Masters. And he's, yeah, he rocked up with a Fire Slayer army, which I didn't know he had. But yeah, his was, um, I knew Tim was going to be up there. He's obviously a good player. He was at Masters and reading his list, his was probably the scariest of the Fire Slayers list with the 30 <laughs> half guard. So, um, yeah. How he... cool is it? How cool is it? Like a year ago, Fire Slayers were just like, no one wants to play Fire Slayers. A year later, Fire Slayers up the top, number four. Yeah. Bang. You want it? I think they might be a bit. I think, I think they might be a bit too powerful, if I'm honest. But um, that Fair being enough. that being said, they weren't everywhere. Like the next highest was 27th, so actually they're probably okay over here. But um, they but... should be really powerful though. They are fire slayers. Come on, it's like <laughs> like it's a whole. It's like a whole army of Gotrex. Like you can't stop that. There's nothing that can stop that. <laughs> they they need they need a, a few points adjustments, but um. They are very cool though, and I do like them, and I, I would love an army of them, but they are still very expensive, and I'm not doing it. Um, just a quick little note there on um, Fire Slayers. Just a shout out to um, Feud, um, with his uh, with his beautiful display where he had like the neon lights and everything with the cave, and yeah, there's like he had these beautiful um, kind of the blue kind oh, of. Oh, was that his? I didn't yeah. actually realize that was Feuds. Yeah, that was Feuds. Yeah, yeah, he had um. He had, like, the LED lights and everything, like, these blue lights and everything, and it just it came out from the cave. He just had this wonderful display. It was such, uh, it was so cool. Like, for you, uh, top marks, man, loved it. It was a uh, fantastic um, display. Uh, keep it coming, man. Keep it coming. Um, let's, let's, let's see more of, of that. I'd love to see uh, what you got, what you got coming next, brother. Yeah. Um, so, the top three. In third, Chris Tot with his Seraphon. Another another five major wins for the uh, for the Seraph, for the Seraphon. Um, I knew Chris would be up there. I, I I said it in the list review that he'd be one to watch. Um, he's such a man. He's such he's such a dude. Eh? Look at him. That list okay, is. So that... what is it? He's got okay Seraphon. Uh, he's he got he twenty four paint points. I don't know where that one point went, but uh, he's got twenty five sp- sports, hundred battle points. Yeah. Twelve objectives. Yep. Uh, 6,870 um, uh, kill points and 149 uh, total yeah. at the end of the day, which is like one point below um, both, like first and, uh, first and second. So yeah. I think, yeah. I think um, 
yeah, obviously the top three were the only three people to get three major wins, um, and then just se- separated on secondaries. Um, yeah, that that um, that point there has uh, has uh, was the difference, I think. But yeah, and then in yeah, second, paint point is what was what differentiated them, wasn't it? The paint point, yeah. Uh, I think the painting point um, was uh, yeah the only thing that meant that Chris was third instead of second. I think, but yeah. Absolutely. Oh. And and also yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, twenty four out of twenty five, still really really good. Um, and then yeah, in second was the uh, last year's master, Dave Kerr. He's moved on from um, his Zinch list to the Maggotkin, and obviously doing really well with them, which is cool. I yeah. haven't met you yet, Dave. I look forward to actually meeting you at some point. He had the Glockkin, um, which is great to see him actually doing well because he's been underused, I think, the last kind of couple of years. But yeah, he's um. He's really cool. So yeah, Dave. Dave was up there in second, and then as we've mentioned before, was Adam Burt number one, yeah. Stormcaster Turtles. As he said, the man, the, 15, man of the, the man of the hour. As he said, fifteen drops, no mirror shield, shit, <laughs> no formation, shit. Hashtag shit list. Apparently, shit but, list um, fucking nailed it. My shit list. Didn't work, <laughs> My shit list didn't work. <laughs> it was definitely not a shit list, but it was. Uh, um, awesome. It was very different and. Yeah, it just uh, it just shows that actually, when you're writing your lists, take what you want to take, take what works for you. Like, don't don't just. It was a it was a note for me, right? Don't don't just write something off because it, someone's not taken mirror shield. Because actually, the meta is all about people going. Well, hang on, the meta expects skyfires and stuff like that. So yeah. so I'm gonna take a mirror shield, and then people go. Well, actually, people have mirror shields, so they're not as good. Like actually, just yeah, just go away from the meta. Take what you want to take, and that means yeah. it keeps it fresher, and we see much more variation yeah. and. Yeah. I think that's what we see in 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 the Australian scene. Like I've I've really like when you compare the like as we were saying earlier. Like you're looking at the the top ten listing. Like it's it is fairly it's a lot more diverse than what we see elsewhere, isn't it? Yeah, it was great. I mean, still like I said, nine out of the top thirteen being Stormcast and Zinch, but then Stormcast. But yes, they were but... all different. There wasn't a single yeah. one of those lists that was the same. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it was it was really cool. But yeah, so that was Calls of Glory 2018 at CanCon, um, and yeah, that was it was a great weekend again. I'll always be going. Um, 104 players was absolutely amazing. Clint, you did such a good job, and Dennis as well. Thanks so much for all your help for Clint doing all those scores and everything. And yeah, you you guys ran it really smoothly. Um, I know there were struggles in terms of communicating the matchups each round, but you you guys handled it like champs. And the boards looked fantastic. The event went down so well, and um, I absolutely loved it. So. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much just for putting it on and for for making putting Australia on the map as it should be. 104 players. Absolutely, like I'm 100% behind you there, Chris. And and uh, also, I don't think a lot of not not a lot of people realised, um, but Clint spent hours upon hours upon hours um, creating hills and trees and terrain. Um, enough to fulfill like 55, 56 tables, um, and you know obviously with with our you know with the player requirement to fill the rest of that out. But um, but 
But I remember for weeks and weeks and weeks in our hobby chat, it was just clean, sitting there <laughs> creating hills, creating trees, doing this and that and the other. It was just all about the terrain. He did that for weeks and weeks and weeks, and that is a huge undertaking. Yeah. So, um, you know, thanks for that effort, that monumental effort, Chris. And ah, uh, oh, sorry, uh, Clint. Sorry, no, you can you can thank me. It's fine. <laughs> I'll thank you after the slaughter. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, but he also he had he had help from others, and a lot of people have chipped in and helped him. But he's yeah, always been trust of the project. So as you mentioned everyone, before, Travis as well needs a massive thank you for all those yeah, all those tabletop boards that all he the did. T- most of the tables, actually, like probably like ninety percent of the tables are provided by Travis, and um, and Travis taking that um, painting prize and oh, and we can't forget Blake with his um, winning the the you know the the player's choice like with oh coolest man. army yeah it might as well just be the Blake coolest the Blake Kerwick award it's like the coolest army and the coolest display that I think anyone's ever seen like I'm like it's like his whole army was converted. Um, the whole display board had this massive backing with like hand drawings of Nagash and everything. Like it was just incredible. Like it was like uh, a massive. It, it, it was just, like an internal pyramid he, it, for his two yeah. kings. It was um, incredible. He had, like um, he had sepulchral guard like converted like a lot of necrons, a lot of necrons uh, uh, bits and everything. Like he just created this really unique, um, fantastic um, Age of Sigma um, tomb king themed death army and. Like every single direwolf was like a statue that had like, you know, a crest on it, like an Egyptian crest or a something. You know, it was just. Ugh. Yeah, and he and don't forget the centerpiece, the big converted Nagash snake, snake gash. It was a. It's sna- snake gash. Snag gash. Snag Yeah. If if they release Snagash before they release Marathi, yeah. The other th- I think uh, Snagash would definitely win the day, but um, oh, it's amazing. But yeah, yes. big props to all the all the winners, the uh, the runners ups, everyone who uh, contributed to um, CanCon and and to um to Call of Glory. That's how it was what we should really call, call it. Call of Glory, yeah, it was great. Um, so yeah, with that one wrapped up, we are now looking forward to the rest of the tournament year. Um, I'm yeah. I'm not actually going to be attending another event until i think rcgt in like august i think this year um i can't i've got to pull back on the uh the interstate travel this year um so i'm hoping that some more people will kind of take up the mantle of organizing some events in and around sydney um but other than that i will be running two events in the meantime obviously i've got the uh i've got sydney slaughter which is kind of my event that I ran last year and will be running annually on the Queen's birthday weekend here in New South Wales. Um, so that is booked in. That is the Saturday the 9th and Sunday the 10th of June. Um, the venue is confirmed. It will be at Club Ashfield um, in Ashfield, New South Wales, which is kind of inner west Sydney. Um, it's li- it's literally right next to the train station, so it's really accessible. Um, they've got a car park there. Um, they've got food on site. We've got the room for the whole weekend, um, and I've I've prioritised location this year above kind of everything. So it won't be at a gaming club, which means I've got to bring I've got to get all of the tables, and I have to do all the tables myself. And people like CanCon, with CanCon having kind of set the uh, I guess set the 
trend for um, bringing three pieces of terrain, I will be requiring attendees to do the same thing for slaughter because I just cannot provide enough terrain to have 10 to 12 pieces per board for for the amount of boards that I want to do, unfortunately. Um, so everybody needs to bring three pieces of terrain, but hopefully everyone's already done that for CanCon, so I'm hoping it won't be too much of an issue, and I'll be doing the other kind of three pieces per person per table. So the three pieces and bring six. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if, pe if people can bring more, then awesome, but... Um, yeah, everyone needs to bring three um, pieces of terrain, and I'll be doing the rest. So I will be much like Clint for the last few months. I will, My hobby over the next three or four months will be basically just making terrain and bringing my kind of terrain collection from last year up to scratch. And, um, yeah, but I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to try and um, I'll be making it much more of a kind of whole weekend thing this year and trying to encourage people to stay for the whole of the Saturday night. I'm going to be doing an extra painting competition on the Saturday night where um, you can enter models that aren't in your army and it will be they'll be kind of four categories best hero best monster best unit and an open category um, and you can enter a maximum of two of those categories um, they will be awarded as judges vote best painted um, so they will go to the best technically painted models in each category and it will go to that model so the same person can win a maximum of two of the categories which is why i've restricted it so that people feel encouraged to enter rather than kind of going oh there's one one phenomenal painter coming they're going to enter everything they're going to win everything and won't bother um the maximum one person will be able to win is two so and you don't know what what categories they'll enter so i really encourage people to bring anything along like i say it doesn't have to be in your army um, it can be any models you want. The only restriction is that it needs to be a fantasy model um, or fantasy unit because, um, after all, Age of Sigmar is a fantasy game. So, yeah, and then after that, I'm also going to be running an Age of Sigmar pub quiz for everybody. So um, I'm hoping it should be a really kind of fun evening for people to stick around and just have fun and keep kind of keep chatting and do the pub quiz and have dinner at the venue and, and everything like that. The space I've got is big enough and... Um, it's next to the like it's next to the um, the bistro for food and and everything. So I'm really looking forward to running it. Um, and yeah, I'm hoping to have the player pack out within the next kind of couple of days so that um, people can start signing up. Um, registration will close um, probably a month before the event, just to give me time to make sure I've got final numbers and everything locked in. And then list submission will be due. Um, I think three two weeks before the event again to get me time to publish all the event the lists um in advance of the event so that everybody can see them as well and we can get them in the australian list archives and stuff so yeah but uh, how many points is this one chris it'll be 2000 match play um and as with last year and every year it will be five all new custom scenarios that i'm writing awesome so. wow you must be you must be pretty busy at the moment man uh, I will be. I'm trying. I'm much more on top of it though than last year. Like, I've been trying to get this venue sorted for a couple of months now, and it's been worrying me a bit. I'd hoped to have it all booked in before CanCon, but um, it just took that little bit longer. But it is finally locked in and in a good location that I'm happy with. So um, yeah. Definitely into the the, the age of Chris Mile. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I but yeah, I will be busy on terrain. Um, it's very very. Like those scenarios from um, Slaughter last year, I, need, I, I was around for the, the warm-up. Um, oh, they were just 
such great scenarios. I think a lot of people really enjoyed the differences and something, yeah, having something a bit different to play, uh, a bit more challenging, uh, something to build a, quite a different sort of lift, list around. And um, I think that's going to work a treat again this year. Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah, it, as I say, it, although it's custom scenarios, it is very much a competitive match play tournament and they the scenarios will be written to be balanced um and just require different things like there'll be scenarios requiring leaders behemoths unit count model count etc etc and just to um just to try and yeah give something a little bit different but still within the bounds of writing a competitive army list will there be any um sort of malign portents um influence in this probably not i've already got a theme that has come i've kind of written two two of the scenarios already um i've been inspired by uh an audiobook series that i've been listening to um so i'm kind of taking a lot of uh of that as my inspiration for the theme this year so mm-hmm. um yeah it probably won't be malign portents based but um but yeah i will uh i'm, I'm working somehow we'll make it fit <laughs> i'm working i'm working on them and i will they will i probably won't get them up um anytime soon but they will obviously be up months before the event um but the main thing will be the player pack going up in the next week sure cool but yeah um so yeah i'm that's going to be basically my hobby for the next for the next year um i'll obviously just um be working on like building death models and i think getting my sylvaneth dreadwood up to um tabletop um kind of standard to just be playing at local kind of games cube events and stuff um throughout the year and my corners kind of gets through more of it and just trying out new lists um until rcgt but otherwise i'll just be building and painting and making terrain i think and what about your hobby dude um i think for this year like um obviously uh work is going to get in the way a little bit uh not as much as last year but it's still quite busy this year so uh, where I can, it will be all about uh, yeah, just exploring the Death Tome, uh, seeing what I can do with that. Um, but overall, like as I said a bit earlier in, in the podcast, uh, there's a, a bit of a drive or a bit of a hunger that I've kind of developed for developing a um, like a really nice uh, like gaming board, uh, something uh, to that Warhammer World sort of standard that we see in all the White Dwarf magazines. Like I've kind of just want to, I don't know. I really enjoyed making that that display board, so I, I, I kind of I want to continue that process in some in some sort of form this year when I can. Um, but I've, you know, I've got obviously I've got Ark and I've got Neferata built <clears throat> and painted. Uh, I think uh, I've been looking at a like a. We've been looking at a zombie list, actually, um, led by Manfred. Uh, so we'll see. And I think uh, Clint would be pleased to know that I'm, I'm thinking about Manfred and I want to uh, uh, build him at some point soon and, and just build up a massive zombie horde. But I'm kind of just hanging out just that little bit longer to see um, what happens with the Legions of Nagash uh, battle tome before making full decisions on, on how I'm going to approach things. Um, but in the meantime... Um, the next project I'm going to do is um, uh, Drycha, actually, uh, for Chris. Yay. Yeah, he's, he's, it, she will be the next thing I paint um, regardless and confirmed by the excellent games I had with my uh, against my Sylvaneth opponents at um, Call to Glory. 
Um, they were my best games and the closest games I had in the tournament. And Drycha was in both of them. And she is such a great model. She's got fantastic rules. Um, I just love finding out whether she's happy or sad every every turn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, is she happy or is she sad? Roll the dice. Oh, she's sad. No. I think it's I think it's I think it's angry or sad. I don't oh, think angry she's ever sad. happy. Oh, she's no, in between. She's wrong. never happy. No, she's not happy. It's angry. She's happy when she's angry, and yeah. she's probably happy when she's sad too. But anyway, that's uh, that's another, that's another podcast. But um, <laughs> I think that's what's going to be for me. Yeah, terrain, terrain building. I've got the Warscry, um, the Warscry Citadel. I've got the old Warhammer Fortress. I've got. Um. Yeah, the skull keep. I've got a lot of terrain to to paint, and cool. I think it's just probably going to just keep expanding with the Death Army. I think like I was looking at um, doing Kradron Overlords, but I think that's probably going to go by the wayside. Um, and also have this uh, cool idea for doing uh, a collegiate arcane based army using that um, uh, War Council Battalion. Um, whether that's viable in the whole competitive environment, I don't know. Probably not. But I just love the idea of having just a battle mage on Griffin and a Hurricane and uh, Luminarch and a lot of battle mages and just dwarf, in, like, uh, sorry, Dwarden uh, infantry and maybe some Doomfire Warlocks and just like a magic-heavy sort of mixed-order army is something that, it's kind of really getting me excited at the moment as well. But, um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for hobby for me. It's all dreams and aspirations. I um, uh, just started reading the uh, the Vampire Wars uh, novels from uh, the old the world that the world that was. So, uh, looking looking forward to exploring more fully the uh, the, the von Karstein uh, uh, trilogy in the old world, the Empire. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I can think of at the moment. Um, I've ordered a whole bunch of stuff online, so it's all coming in. <laughs> yeah, um, cool. Uh, like sort of modelling and creating uh, the grave sites that we've given a peek from for the Legions of Nagash uh, battle tome, where you're going to be able to place grave sites, kind of like in a similar sort of sense to the to the Nurgle trees, I guess, where you can position them around to get your buffs and you know it's going to be really very interesting to see how death pans out in this uh, up- update so yeah uh, i'm 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 for one though i'm glad that it looks like they are just going to be a point on the battlefield for a small token rather than a whole new terrain kit because i i was a bit worried about having more and more armies be like terrain based armies like sylvaneth and then nurgle just spawning trees if you were kind of spawning grave sites and stuff so it's nice that it's just a token Mm. Yeah, yeah. It looks like they were just doing a token, which is kind of uh, from what I've seen or what I've read. Actually, it's probably like about the size of a, a cavalry base, yeah, a small cavalry base. So, yeah, yeah be working in a, a, a markers, I guess, within that sort of scope. You'll see a lot of creativity there, and you actually are already seeing it. Um, I think Deke was putting up his uh, his grave sites today. And it's all it's all green stuffed and everything right now, but it's just yeah perfect for what's what's coming up. So yeah, yeah. Cool. 
Cool. Well, that was our CanCon 2018 wrap-up. So yeah. if, um, for now, if you'd like to get in touch with me, the easiest way is probably through Twitter. You can follow me at Wounded Mortally, um, or you can find the Facebook page, which is Mortally Wounded um, Podcast on Facebook. Um, James? Um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter also. At, uh, my Twitter handle is uh, Duke Kadrick, K-H-A-D-R-I-C. And also on um, Instagram, uh, follow me on there, Duke Kadrick on there as well. Um, yeah, there we are. And uh, model, of course, Modelly Wounded Podcast on Facebook and uh, iTunes and SoundCloud. Cool. We hope you've enjoyed this episode, guys, and see you on the next one. Bye, guys. Bye.